Let's go, knuckle up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to Snapcast. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are back. <clears throat> on the, back, everybody. On the episode three of Scrapcast. As always, I'm your host, Ace, co-host, Mr. Will. Mr. Will, how you doing? Doing good, man. It's good to be here. Always. Ready always. to get this shit started. Yes, sir. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. We have a lot that's happened since the last time that we've been with y'all. And we're recording this. Remember, remember. The fifth of November, <laughs> so we've got quite a bit. Let's uh, let's get into what we just finished watching, which was BKFC thirty two. Uh, what what do you think about it, man? Yeah, we had the good fortune <clears throat> of watching this card live right before we did the show, and um, it was good because it kind of gets us in the mood for the show and mm-hmm. um, some really good fights. I, I really enjoy the energy that a lot of these bare knuckle fighters bring to the cage, man. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, Barnett Herrera championship fight, really exciting fight. Um, for all the negative press bare knuckle fighting gets for it being kind of a more Neolithic form of, of fighting. <laughs> Bar- Barnett really has some skill. Like he really showcased, yeah. um, Great footwork, really awesome hand speed, and um, yeah, I was I was really impressed with with his with his performance. No, uh, me too. Um, not only that, but then also his ability to kind of weather that early onslaught from Herrera. I thought Herrera mm-hmm. was really taking it to him in the beginning, first couple rounds, and then as the fight progressed, it seemed like Barnett just got more into the zone. Was just you know bringing the onslaught, putting it on him, and. Uh, really showcase why he's the champion. Yeah, so. yeah, I I agree. You know, speed kills and you're right. Early on Herrera was able to land some some big shots and you could tell Herrera had some some power, but um yeah, Barnett was wise enough to figure out how to, you know, fight his fight. Yeah. You know, and instead of waiting in there, he he really picked his shots and he was like I said, the the hand speed it it seemed like it got so much faster as the rounds went on too, and I don't know if that was just a confidence thing or what, but yeah, by the end of that fight, he was you know four, five, six punch combos, and they were just lightning fast. Exactly, and Herrera was a dog. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to like count out Herrera because even like the very last of the fifth round, I mean, he was still trying to scrap it, still mm-hmm. trying to push it, but you could just tell that Barnett had already got out to too much of a lead there and was you know, on his victory lap, sort mm-hmm. of. So, no, it was great. Um, and then the fight before that, the co-main event, Warren versus Jackson, uh, Captain Deadpool. Captain Deadpool. <laughs> uh, he was putting it on Jackson, <clears throat> I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, he kept dropping him, um, kept kept just putting it on him. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, whatever with the nickname, but good performance. It, yeah, that was an interesting fight to watch. And because I got to watch... Um, Captain Deadpool talk about his game plan before he went in there um, and, and watch how it played out. He knew exactly what he had to do to win that fight. He knew where Jackson was dangerous, um, but he also knew that Jackson was more of those one, 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 two punch fighters. And he knew that um, he knew that he could av- avoid these really simple combos that Jackson was throwing and, and land his own. And he did. He, he got a great knockout. 
No, yep. And uh, another good fight that was on that card was a fight between the ladies, Borga versus Click. Um, Borga just seemed to just start steamrolling the pressure on Click and just wouldn't stop. Um, got a little overzealous, maybe hit her while she was on the ground. They had to kind of, you know, assess the situation the ref did. But they let it continue because BKFC don't give a fuck. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, they uh, they let it continue, and she just, you know, pounded her out. So, um, But still, uh, pretty good performance. Love to see the women fights. Always scrappy, always down for it. So it was a good one. Yeah, <clears throat> that was a that was a domination. Um, fight of the night though, um, it's got to be Thompson, Thompson Diaz. Yeah, uh, Diaz. I mean that was exactly. You know that's one of those where these two guys you can't stand next to each other before the fight because they hate each other, and they go in there and they beat the ever loving shit out of each other, and then at the end they're all hugging because it's all good. I know, I um, know, no, but but that fight captures the essence of what BKFC really brings to the table as far as combat sports, you know? Mm -hmm. They both got in there, just full force, knuckle to fist, both faces torn up, Mm -hmm. both taking the punishment, neither giving up, Mm -hmm. all the way to the end. Great fight, definitely fight of the night. Um, One other fight that I wanted to talk about was the Reber versus Grady fight. That was the fight that ended with the multiple headbutts. Yeah, well, well yeah, multiple <laughs> headbutts. So I, I hadn't seen because we, uh, I was watching the UFC fight night card before. So when I switched over, I just seen the second headbutt, and the second headbutt was a little. I mean, yes, it was a headbutt, but it was more of a like kind of posturing his head to kind of like push push it up there as it was to just like a headbutt strike. So when I seen that, I was like, whoa. And then and then they called it a disqualification, which almost never fucking happens in BKFC. Right. I mean, a dude will get knocked out and they'll wake him up and they'll keep the fight going. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was like, I was pretty, I was like, wow, really? We're really doing that now? Okay, that's crazy. Um, but then when we watched the replay later and I seen the first headbutt, I was like, ah, it really made it hard for me to want to, you know, advocate on a bad stoppage. So Yeah, the f- first headbutt, legitimate headbutt um nasty quick mm-hmm. intentional second one you're right if we were watching an mma fight and somebody was clinching up against the fence and going for a takedown you could see that as head position yeah because it was it was it was slower it was a lot less deliberate and it wasn't so much of a strike a as strike. it was like yeah, like a pushing my forehead into yeah. your like like i said which is a lot that's how head fighting is when you're up, you're in the clinch up against the cage, so you're right. The huge difference between the two, but I, I think the, I think the the bad image from the first one is what caused him to get disqualified when he did it the second time. No, no, hundred percent. And uh, really quick, Miller dropping bombs on Reese first fight of the night on the card. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Big dude oh, Miller man. just put it on Reese yeah. and just. Knocked mm-hmm. him down and he was yeah. done. They Out. were like one, two, Out. three. Nope, that's, <laughs> no, that's no. it. He's not getting no, back you, up. You can you can tell a lot of these refs. They start that count and just like I don't even need to get to ten. He's not. He's he's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, pretty good card. Uh, speaking of that though, there was another card that was on tonight. We also watched that uh, UFC Fight Night two fourteen. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What'd you What'd you think about the main event? What'd you think about the co-main? What do you want to talk about? Another fight night card headlined by women's MMA. Yep. Which I think is three out of the last 
five cards we've had have been headlined by... Dude, it's because the women be bringing it. I'm telling you. (laughs) Okay. Just pointing it out. Not saying (laughs) one way or the other on that. Um, Okay. So the uh, finishes on the main card all around. Every every fight on the main card was a finish. That's Mm -hmm. always good. We love that. Um, To give the women their due... Um, it was it was a good fight. They both came in with solid game plans. I, both strikers, both strikers, yeah. and and both strikers in, in different ways. Marina, um, a higher volume, more way technical. more technical. Yep, absolutely, 100%. Lemos, just a pure power striker. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, she still has the technical ability, but she's a lot more of that heavy handed. Exactly, type exactly. Striker. And that ends, and that ended up as like what happened. She mm-hmm. landed the heavier strike. I'll never agree with the standing TKO stoppage. Uh, yep, yep, so, yep. in my opinion, the stoppage was premature. But either way, Lemos gets the win, and that's where we're at. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I thought that it was a bad stop. Um, I, obviously, it looked like she had taken punishment. Um, I think heading into uh, the third, it was the third round where that happened. So, before that, I had had it scored myself. Uh, Rodriguez round one, Lemos round two, obviously she had taken her down and just, you know, punished her on the ground Mm -hmm. for the second round. And then in the third round, she clipped her and it was, you could tell that she had, you know, she had caught her good and backed her up against the cage, but she was still standing. She still had her arms out in front of her. And when it comes to the head, when it comes to the main event, it, I mean, my feeling is that you have to let it play out. Like, if there's a title on the line, if it's the main event, if you're showcasing the card, there's so much pressure. There's a lot on the line for those type of fights. And so, like, if it would if it would have been any other fight on the card, if it wasn't the main event or the co-main event, it would have been any other fight on the card, I would have been a lot more likely to have been like, yeah, maybe that was a good stoppage. But when it's the main event and there's all that and they're still standing there and they're taking punishment and then as soon as the ref called it off, and the ref's a, a great ref, uh, Herzog. Right. I mean, I got nothing against the Me dude. Me neither. Me neither. Um, but I just thought that, you know, you got to let fighters sometimes go out on their shield. And if at any time you have to let that, it's the main event, it's the title fights, it's the fights that they build their whole careers for to get to that kind of spot, to get that kind of platform. Like, you have to let them do their thing. They, you don't have to let them die out there. But at the same time, I mean, that, that's that's my feeling. That's where I'm at with this. So he I dies, thought it was the best stop. He dies. He dies. He dies. <clears throat> he dies. So he dies. Th- you're right. There's, there's so much that goes into this, right? And you're absolutely right about how hard these people work to get put in these positions. The other thing I would point out is... How many times have we seen these fights go the other way, turn around after a situation like that? Because they do. And so what you've done is you've taken away this fighter's opportunity to turn it around. And I mean, look at the Vol- Volkanovski-Ortega match. Exactly. You know, he Ex- was just dominating him all the way up until, but then you get to that fourth, fifth round, and he's throwing those submissions on there. I mean, so close to getting him. So close. You know, it's I- just like, what are you going to do? No, this is this is exactly what happens. We and we could go with all throughout history. There's tons of these yeah. I- examples, and this isn't this isn't boxing. This isn't where you've got somebody trapped in the corner and they can't move anywhere, and you're just laying into them. Uh, that's a legitimate standing TKO or hanging on the ropes. This is MMA. Fights can go to the ground. You can get knocked down and reach for a submission. You can. You know, I, I even remember when Shane Carwin was blasting Brock Lesnar. Uh, on the ground for like a full minute and a half. I and still they didn't don't know how it. they didn't stop that yeah. fight then. And I then, know. but but round, they didn't. And round two, Brock Lesnar comes out, 
Wins the fight. Car wins gas. Exactly. Puts him in the fucking this, arm this triangle. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah. So, no, I do not agree with that stoppage. Yeah. All right. Well, we agree on that. Um, Walter Waite, co main event, Neil Magny versus D Rod. Uh, really excited to see this fight um, since D Rod's last performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a good performance in his last fight, but I thought that Lee. Mm-hmm. thought that uh, he got robbed in that fight. I thought mm-hmm. that he did better. Now, when I watched it live, I thought D-Rod had edged it out. But then when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, nah. I was like, Lee Zhang Lian, he, he definitely had won that fight. So, I mean, it was close. What are you going to do? Um, but I really wanted to see what he looked like uh, in his next fight, and especially because he took this fight at welterweight too. Mm-hmm. So he was middleweight. He was fighting a middleweight. Mm-hmm. Fought Lee Zhang Lian won that fight and now is fighting in welterweight and uh against neil magny i mean I, I you know neil magny veteran can't really say anything bad about him not the most entertaining of fighters but that's because of his style mm-hmm. his style isn't one of those that goes out there and puts the pressure on you and gets you and if it does put pressure on you it's taking you down and bringing you to the ground and then you know either trying to find a submission or just lay in a lot of ground and pound not enough to knock you out but enough to just win you know yeah and um and so yeah so i was really excited to see the fight and i mean that's pretty much what ended up happening was at the beginning d rod was taking it to him i thought as long as he was working those leg kicks and he was working the straights both the right and the left straight were money tagging him i was like wow this is this is exactly what i was thinking uh then neil magny just started as the rounds kept going he just Kept getting more momentum, you know, t- taking him down, mm-hmm. working him in the clinch, doing those kinds of things, and uh, ended up uh, getting the getting the submission in the round in round three. And so, I mean, yeah, just by just by weathering it, just by you know taking that punishment in the beginning because he was getting hit, just kept kept it going, kept fighting him, kept figuring out where he was gonna and and D Rod really a big big problem with it I think was going from middle middleweight to welterweight was that he didn't have the stamina he didn't have the you know um the cardio to keep it up to keep it going it's always something you're going to sacrifice if you're going to draw yourself that thin to make a weight like that mm-hmm. <clears throat> um i was excited for this fight for the exact same reasons you were i wanted to see what daniel rodriguez could do looked like he had some talent i would have given lee the nod in that previous fight as well but Close enough to not really be upset either way. Um, but Magny's been around. He's been there in there with just about everybody at welterweight. And I think he knew exactly what he needed to do to get the win, which was to get that fight to the ground. I, I think he was confident that if he could, he could get the finish. But I also think he knew he wasn't going to get those takedowns early in the fight. And so I, I, I feel like that's the way I saw him fighting. Was He, he knew that he was going to have to take it in the beginning there until... He could settle in. Daniel could, you know, um, you blow a little bit of his cardio, um, and then the takedowns would come easier, and he'd be able to put him in a position where he wanted to. And, and yeah, so I think he played the game exactly as he wanted to in that fight. Yeah, I agree. One thing, though, about the commentating was during the fight is they kept saying, uh, I think uh, Den Thomas was saying that Neil Magny needed to quit backing up, putting his back against the cage and that. Whenever he was doing that, he was putting himself like kind of into a corner to take the bigger shots. 
He did take some big shots then, but what I kept noticing was Magny would back himself up, and then when he thought that the cage was behind him, he would like kind of like bounce off the cage with his back just to let himself know that the cage was right there mm -hmm. because he wanted to have enough space so that Rodriguez would close the space and then he could work a clinch and that's how he took him down and yeah. and I think in the second round or the third round took him down or it had to have been the second round took him down and really just started like playing his game there mm -hmm. so he knew that as long as it was standing that it was going to favor Rodriguez probably but as soon as he could get him close to get him sort of like a spider to you know get him to you know get in close enough to him to try to finish those shots he knew he had just enough space to kind of back up his head and then grab him and do the clinch and stuff and so I kept seeing that so when I heard the commentating talking about that's a bad spot I'm like I think that's where he wants him. I think he wants to back up and keep him right there, right with his back, maybe like a couple inches away from the cage, just enough to get that, to get Rodriguez to commit and come in there and then work that whole clinch game. <clears throat> so that's a great observation. And I think you, and I think you're absolutely right. The way he didn't have to look to see how close he was to the cage, but the way he was using that little bounce, you know, and again, this is a guy who has, over 20 UFC fights. Uh, this is a guy who knows how to use the cage. And and he, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. It wasn't something I picked up on while I was watching it, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that was his whole plan. And, and he knew, like, like anytime you don't think you can get naked takedowns, you have to start trying to think of creative ways to get people into your clinch range, right? And if you can counter clinch, which is that's basically what that was, wait for them to come in, overextend, and then as long as you don't get knocked out by whatever they're throwing at you, you get the clinch. And you're right. That's where he was getting his takedowns. Yeah. And Neil Magny's fought a lot of heavy-handed strikers, a lot of really powerful punchers. I was thinking to, like, uh, Hector Lombard. That's exactly what I was and, thinking. Um, and yeah. there's other fighters like that, but that's why I don't think he was as worried about the stand-up. It's just because, like, he's like, man, I've, I've fought you, you kind of fighters before. I know mm -hmm. what you're looking for, so... You know, and he has a chin. I mean, he was taking mm -hmm. some really good shots. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's a great fight. Uh, let's see. What else from the card really hung at, uh, registered for you? I, for me, it was the Grant Dawson-Mark Madsen fight. It wasn't a very entertaining fight by any means. But the thing is, is that if you've been watching long enough, um, especially Mark Madsen with his run, um, you know, being such a... Uh, credentialed wrestler and coming into the UFC and really just executing his will on the other fighters, just out wrestling them, just grinding them down to see Grand Dawson go in there, match will for will, wrestling versus wrestling, and then also, you know, big brother him. Mm -hmm. I mean, that stuck out a lot. I was like, wow, like I'm, you know, that's not something you're going to see a lot from a lot of fighters. So, like I said, wasn't the most entertaining fight, but if you knew what you were watching, I was really impressed by the performance. Yeah, another third-round submission and another one of those situations where, you know, we're, we both have a similar skill set. This is what this is going to come down to is cardio and will to win. You know, this is going to come down to who's going to wilt first. And, and yeah, and uh, Dawson ended up being the better man at the end of that fight, and, and I'm so glad... I didn't want to see the judges' scorecards in that fight, so I'm really glad he got the finish on that. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so on the undercard, there was two fights that got um, performance of the night. The Viana Frey fight. Uh, 
and she Pollyanna, deserves it. Yeah, Pollyanna just oh, wrecked shop it. on Frey. <laughs> she, um, she really did. The thing about Pollyanna, I really like her. She's one of the few females, um, you know, especially a straw weight that has that kind of power to dispatch opponents. I mean, half of it is power. Half of it is just her precise striking, ex- mm-hmm. hitting them right where they need to. Um, but the thing about it is that it, if you're an aggressor, that helps her style. Mm-hmm. If you're going to bring a fight to her, that's how she's going to showcase and win. Um, if you go back and you look at her record, she's lost four out of her last seven. And, you know, three of them were decision. One of them was a submission. But all those other opponents, what they had in common was that they slowed the fight down. They made it more methodical. And that didn't favor Pollyanna. Mm-hmm. So I see her having a lot of strengths. And I think that if she can just continue to work on that and, you know, her style to be able to deal with fighters that want to do that, that want to try to make it slower, that want to try to make it more technical of a fight. I mean, the the sky's the limit, you know, really in the strawweight division. We could see her a contender, maybe even a champion one day with that kind of power and striking. But, you know, it's just... Yeah, I, I did not pick Pollyanna Viana to win that fight, um, so I was pleasantly surprised. Um, <clears throat> I thought Jin Yu was going was gonna to take that. And, and even the avenues that I thought Pollyanna had to win the fight, I, I didn't think it was 45 seconds into the first round by knockout. But that it really was. It was beautiful. It was an excellent performance. Yeah. Um, the other uh, performance of the night was also for the ladies, the very first fight of the night, uh, Vidal versus Pascal. And I thought that, um, once again, um, Vidal just came out there and looked like, you know, uh, just fireworks from the very beginning, really putting it on her, um, was able to hit her with some really good knees, uh, finisher than the first round. Um, just a really good showcase for the women tonight. Um, and then also there was a flyaway bout where, uh, between Hadley and Candelario, and, uh, man, I'll tell you what, I really thought that Candelario was going to win it. I just thought that it looked like he had the momentum and everything going. And Hadley was just nasty with the submissions. He put on that triangle, wasn't going to let it go, kept cinching it in, even though Candelario was trying to work out of it no matter what he could do. And then while he had it in, he was just raining with the elbows, coming straight down on his head, punched him in his face, wouldn't let him get out of it, wouldn't let him do anything, but he had to just end up submitting so I, I was impressed by that performance as well both great performances um but i'm supremely impressed with that bicycle knee to the body from Vidal. Uh-huh. that you know I, I don't know if more people can't perform that because i know that anytime you see a bicycle knee it's usually towards the head but the amount of force you can generate with the bicycle knee to the body that was that was so perfect i know yeah. i know and if you watch it it doesn't even look like it's that impactful of a strike but it's just like perfect placement, right on it, shut her down, shut down the liver, just... just. It, it did. And you can even tell Pascal tried to continue and her body would not let her. Nope. Like, it shut her down. Yep, yep. So, great card. Ladies really uh, showed up for that one. So, let's talk a little bit about, since there was so much time since the last time, let's talk a little bit about UFC Fight Night 213. Okay. The previous one. So uh, I know you watch that. So what are you what are you thinking about that? I knew you, I knew you were looking forward to it too because I know you're a big Allen fan. I really like Arnold Allen. Um, I think he's a really good up and comer. 
Not to say that I don't like Calvin Cater, though, because I do. I really like the way he fights. I like his mindset with for, for fighting. Um, you know, between the two, not as many finishes on this fight card as, as the other one. And, of course, since the main event ended the way it did, just real anticlimactic, major bummer, um, which is one of those things we've seen a lot more lately, which I kind of wanted to talk about, is injuries in, in fights, injuries in main events even in, in fights. <laughs> and I'm not talking about throwing a, a leg kick and getting it checked and breaking your leg. That's I'm talking about stepping wrong off the foot and just your knee buckling. Um, shoulder coming out of Shoulder place. coming out of the socket. Um, there was, you know, the fight with um, the heavyweight challenger who was really jumping up the ranks and he blew his knee out right in the middle of throwing a knee and I cannot remember the, his name for the life of me right now but um, but yeah and then here we here we have the Calvin Cater Arnold Allen fight and yep. here it is again yep. rearing its ugly head and it it's such a bummer I don't know what can be done about it I don't know if people are training too hard I don't know if they're training incorrectly um, but Man, what a bummer. We were totally robbed of what I thought was going to be a great fight. I know, I know. It's really hard to, I think, just nail it down to even one or a couple set scenarios. Sometimes it's bad placement. You know, we've seen um, a fight earlier tonight where... The Miner Miner, yeah. Nerdabanky. Yeah, versus Nerdabanky. And that that fight, Miner just uh, threw a kick. It looked like a good body kick, but it hit on the hip. Mm-hmm. And it just messed the leg up. You could tell right when he kicked it and went to st- you know stand back on it. It was, it was no good. And then, props to uh, Nerdabeki for just going after him with the knee and finishing him. But yeah, I mean, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's like in the, you know, which we're gonna end up getting to. Um, it's like the uh, Dillashaw mm-hmm. thing. You know, sometimes it's you know bad preparation. Sometimes it's Ortega and Yair. Yeah. Another Same. one. This is, Another yeah. one. So, I mean, there's a lot of different circumstances. I think that when you get, you know, I think a big part of it is when you get to this level of combat sports, anything can happen. And, and the body is, as as much as it's durable, as much as it's, you know, all of that, it's still fragile. I mean, we're still 97% water, you know? Right. So, I mean, it's just part so, of it. So, my question is, something I want to get your input on, is how far do you move Alan up the ladder? For after a performance like that? Well, to be 100%, what I would do, what I would have done, what I thought would have been right would have been to move him, even though it was a freak accident. Um, how much of it can you dispute between what Allen did to cause it versus, you know, maybe what Calvin did to not better prepare for it? Where he had tried to throw that knee... <clears throat> with the left knee, landed awkwardly on his right, and the knee, the knee buckles. And he did try to fight through it mm-hmm. for a, a while, but it just wasn't, <clears throat> it just wasn't happening. And and the only reason why I bring up this particular scenario, as far as how far do you move somebody after a win like that, because Cater is ranked, because Cater had just turned away Giga Chikadze, mm-hmm. who was another rising star that everyone thought would have title aspirations. Calvin Cater was able to take that fight and put him down and send him back to the drawing board. And so one of the reasons why I was really interested in this fight is because I wanted to see if he could do the same to Allen. Mm-hmm. And now that it's ended the way it has, 
does Alan get that pass? Does he get to leapfrog Cater in the rankings because of that? So, okay, so that, yeah. So I think we need to then discuss about the rankings because I guess it's, I don't see these rankings as being any kind of actual legitimacy. I think that's, I think that, give you that. some give of these that. are, you know, made up and some yep. of them are promotional tools yep. and a lot of that. So, I mean, I guess it all depends on how much significance you really hold towards the rankings. Gotcha. For me, it's more of a political type tool. And so in that kind of scenario, I would switch the numbers or whatever, because any fan of the sport or anybody that's watched it for an extended period of time will tell you, man, it's always 50, 50. It's always, I mean, you can get the guy that's the champion versus Mm -hmm. the guy that just got into the UFC. You never know. Mm -hmm. You never know how it's going to, you know, and a lot of times, uh, preparation, game planning, a lot of those things kind of, I think to the audience at home, a lot of times kind of go unnoticed because we're just seeing the final product of Mm -hmm. it. But in the few times where you do see, you know, like, uh, Dillashaw versus uh, Joe Soto, right? Remember when they had that fight? And it was like last minute or when Habib fought Ally Quinta and that was last minute. When you get these fighters and it's last minute and they have to fight somebody that isn't necessarily close to the same ranking, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really mean shit. So It it doesn't. And, And you're right. You can absolutely tell by how the fight plays out how little parity there is between a lot of these fighters. Yeah. So, and, and you're right. And, and again, how political is the UFC rankings? You're absolutely right. So, yeah, um, because we can't even agree of who's making these things. You're right. No, the you're, UFC you're says right. they don't have any pull over them and that the <laughs> journalists do them, but then the journalists wait till every week to see how the rankings show up. So it's like, yeah. who the fuck? I mean, whatever. So that's a whole nother can of worms in itself. But yeah, no, uh, great point. I mean, really, I mean, it's one of those things where you could justify it either way. You could, right. you, either way, you could cut it and it would be fine, mm-hmm. you know? So. Um, the only other thing, or the only other two things about that fight night, um, one good and one bad, um, Roman Delize, um, great performance. Looking forward to seeing him move up. Oh, yeah, rankings. against Old Dawes. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah I, that I was like, a great fight. I like watching him fight, I like his attitude. Mm hmm. He's Georgian and not an American Georgian. Um, <laughs> he's from Georgia, <laughs> but but he, he's a good, solid fighter. I've I've seen a lot of uh, improvement out of him recently, and you know, I really wasn't expecting that. I knew when we were talking about it, you you had called it. You said, "Hey, I like this guy to win." I really wasn't. I was like, "Dude, Phil Haas is not somebody you can sleep on. No. He's not necessarily like the most threatening opponent, but he's just really strong wrestling base." Um, you know, has just shown over and over again that he's he's a hard uh, character to deal with. So I was like, yeah, I was like, it's probably going to be a, a long, boring fight. But that was not the case. So. Roman got two finishes in that fight, technically. <laughs> he got the knee bar. Two times. And, and then he got the TKO. Um, so that's, that's the good. The bad is one of my favorite all-time all-time fighters. The Pete Bull. Andre Arlovsky. Been watching this guy since I started watching MMA. <laughs> he has been around and then some. Uh, I know. I do, I'm a big Andre fan. I do think he needs to hang him up. Okay, real quick. Real quick. Greatest. And, you know, just on, on that last point, I can never be one of those. I always am one of those people that I'm like, oh, it's probably time to, you know, hang it up. 
but 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 like it it's not my spot so like i'll tell you or i'll tell whoever i'll be like bullshit but especially here on this platform like i'm just gonna have to state the record like it's it, it's not up to me to decide that you know what i'm saying no if, if, if the fighter understands their own mental capabilities and their own processes to have to deal with to get through the day-to-day if they want to scramble their brains till they can't say their name I, I i don't while i don't think that that's a good thing while i think that there should be certain precautions to take to help fighters to not get to that point i also think that you there shouldn't be people stopping fighters from doing that i mean right. literally we're having them get in there and and fight in their underwear for money so you're right, you're right. So, and, yeah. and 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 you're right and i don't want to be that guy and and this this is just coming from a very selfish um, place for me again because he's one of my favorites because he's already given me as a fighter everything I could ever ask for spare me from having to watch some more of those devastating losses yeah that's no, just me no no and and you're 100 percent right it comes from a place of, of care and love really I'm the exact same way with Andre what what's crazy to me is how so many fans like, you know, modern day fans, right? Fans that have been paying attention maybe the last five years. They don't even understand that, like, Andre was a fucking world champion. He was the UFC world champion. I mean, there was a time when he was, like, the baddest dude on the planet. Literally the baddest. He like, was a monster. I know. Dude. Like, he was literally knocking fools out. He was submitting fools. He was knocking fools out off his back on the... I mean, yeah, the dude was, like... a f- That Marcio Cruz knockout, still one of my favorites, <sighs> dude. Guy's going for a knee bar against the fence, and they call a timeout. And as, like, as soon as the ref's getting ready to call a timeback in, you can see Arlovsky. He's got the fist ready. It's cocked, and he's just waiting for the <laughs> ref to call a timeback. And as soon as he calls time, <laughs> bing, knockout. <laughs> out. So out. So cold. I, I loved it. I know. Um, I know. No, and that that was what I was going to say before was I was like, all right, really quick, what's your favorite Andre Arlovsky moment You know, from here? Mine would have to be... I think the second or third Tim Sylvia fight because it was just so fucking. No, I'm just kidding. No, that was that was, <laughs> was boring. Like, as shit. Where are you going with this? That was no, that was really really bad. That was <clears> really really bad. But that's how long of a fighter. I mean, mm-hmm. you could talk about when he knocked out Paul Bentello, right? Because so Paul Bentello so was a, was a knockout artist, I, and he just walked right in there, went overhand right, and he fell asleep on top of Orlovsky while he was falling. Like, I mean, not only did nobody in in the auditorium that was watching this fight knew what had happened, but me watching this live at home. I had no idea what happened. <laughs> it was so quick, and it was such a devastating right hand that he lands. And they had both thrown the right, and so when Arlovsky has finished throwing it, he's so low because he's overextended. Yeah, Paul Buntello is knocked out on top of him. He's literally unconscious on top of him. So Arlovsky trying to roll him over and thinking about if he needs to hit him again, and they're just like, no, he's he might be dead. <laughs> like, so you know? what? So that Marcio Cruz is that your favorite Andre Arlovski moment in the UFC? What's your favorite Andre Arlovski yeah, moment? Yeah, if, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the Cruz one just because of how unique that whole situation was, and just because it's such, such a nasty thing to do. Just yeah. be like, you going for my leg? Yeah. All right. No. Good. Hey, as soon as he calls time <laughs> in, just looking at him like you know what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen. If anybody gets a chance to go rewatch the Marcio Cruz and Andre Arlovski fight, please do because that's just a joy to watch. Yeah, um, mine, realistically, I don't know why, but still to this day, it's one of the funniest things. When there was that whole r- rivalry, war, whatever you want to say, between him and Tim Sylvia, they had some good fights, too. They did. They did. They had some really awful ones, and they had some good fights. 
there was a promotional piece where they were like talking to Andre Arlovsky about the next Tim Sylvia fight, and he had he, he had this uh, he was. I don't think he had the beanie made yet, but he told him he he told him when he was like, you know, what do you got to say to Tim Sylvia? And Andre was like, how's my big pee pee taste? (laughs) (laughs) And then they ended up putting it on a beanie because supposedly Tim Sylvia was, you know, uh, dating Andre Orlovsky's ex. And dude, from, <laughs> dude, I mean that was back when like, the, like there oh, was man. no MMA journalism. Nope. There was no nope. like light being really shined on the sport. I mean nope. it was like coming out of the darkness of the illegal fucking era and stuff. And and that was, I mean, and all that, these that, promos are on pay per view, so yeah. you can say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. And it's just and and just you know, and it wasn't even like necessary. <laughs> I mean, it was vulgar, but it wasn't like as vulgar. But just. Just for him to put that out there, I mean, still to this day, I'm just like, God, that was such a zinger. And that was back when even, like, his English wasn't even as good as it is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, even now he has that heavy, heavy, you know, Russian accent. But, like, back then it was, you know, even less. And it was just uh, even more, you know, Russian, even less English. And so it was just, it was so classic. I got to thank you for bringing that yeah, because I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. I mean, it's either that or all those training videos with him and Max, you know. You remember Max? Max was his pit bull. He oh, would take yeah. him everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was awesome. That was that was him being the pit bull, advocating for pit bulls mm-hmm. back when nobody was advocating he, for pit bulls. He was. There's a lot so, of people that have gone through with the pit yeah. bull nickname, but he was the original pit Yeah, bull. exactly. The pit bull. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, that was sad. That was sad on the on the card um, against Lima. Uh, Lima got the submission. I mean, what else, what else are you gonna say? Uh, also on that card, though, a uh, big fight that I liked was uh, Steve Garcia dispatching Chase Hooper in the very beginning. Oh, I mean, put it on him. I he was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't even know Chase Hooper's fighting on this card. Oh, shit. Oh, that's over. <laughs> he's, not, he's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Hooper is one of those guys you want to root for. You want to see him, in, you know, improve his skill set. He has a great ground game, but... You know, there's some obvious shortcomings, and yeah, like I said, Steve Garcia, man, he put him out, and he put him out quick, 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 Re- really good striking. Uh, was sad to see Tim Means lose. I mean, I, I like Max Griffin too. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big Dirty Bird fan. Uh, he's from this area, the mm-hmm. Southwest, so I always try to go for him. And uh, you know, it was a co-main spot, so I was really like, maybe this is his time. You know, he maybe he's gonna get, you know, and it's just. Didn't work out for him, so that was that was tough. Um, uh, hats off to uh, Gore though for the submission. He looked really good. Um, I've been a fan of uh, Gore since he was in the Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. I believe he won the Ultimate Fighter. He didn't. He lost to Brian Battle actually. Oh, he did. He yep. lost to Brian Battle. Yeah, yep. but he was the favorite. Yep. He was the number one yep. pick from the beginning. And yep. He was the favorite. Yep, exactly. And so yeah, so I, I'm a fan of his. And now to see that his game is. Um, you know, becoming that much more developed and he's that much more because he was always threatening with with the hands or that was his potential strong mm-hmm. suit. Now he's got the submissions in and, and just really putting in work. I think that that's going to be something I'm really going to look forward to in the future. The fight that I was really excited for on the card, the number one fight, was Dustin Jacoby versus Khalil Roundtree. Both, I mean, you got textbook, kickboxer, textbook, Muay Thai fighter, 
heavy strikers, both, you know, um, just been through the battles. So both battle tested. I was really looking forward to that fight. And I thought that it didn't necessarily live up to my expectations. And to be completely honest, I had it scored for Dustin Jacoby to win, even though Khalil got the got the nod. It wasn't a robbery, but it was still enough that I'm talking about it now here. So, yeah, and, and maybe in the future we'll do you know a scoring criteria show and get more in, in depth because that's a prime candidate for volume versus damage, yeah. right? Yep. Like you've got somebody that's dictating the pace of the fight for most of it. He's landing the majority of the, the sh- strikes. And then on the other hand, you've got the guy that when he does land, just lands with such impact mm-hmm. and such effect yep. that it, it, it changes, it, it changes everything. It stops him in his tracks. It, he has to reset. I mean, it changes the whole dynamic of the fight. So yeah, it, it becomes really difficult to score fights like that. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and seeing a split decision on that, I, I do. I, I don't see a winner or a loser in that fight because it's it's so tough. You know, what do you reward more? It, it does. It becomes difficult. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest with you, I think that either of the fighters could have had it. I think that realistically, if either of the fighters maybe would have pushed the pace a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think that they would have been able to put it on. I think both were trying to play... Uh, safe play defense and have that be their best offense mm-hmm. you know with a little bit of offense and really trying to maybe counter each other i don't really know what exactly was all going on there but um but yeah i mean that was another thing when i got to the end is i was like yeah i had a scored for dustin jacoby but at the same time didn't seem like either of them showed that they really wanted it so i mean whatever yeah and, and i'll be honest i was a little surprised to see khalil get the split decision um because, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, that's a lot of fights that I score round by round as I'm watching them. That wasn't one of them. Um, but I just had it in my head. I was like, yeah, I, could, I see Dustin taking that. And then they gave it to Khalil. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they must have obviously scored damage as opposed to volume in that. Yeah, and, yeah. Because there's no other way that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Or that those damaging shots weighed in more, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about another fight here um, that happened where – it could have been e- easily the same, and mm-hmm. it could have went the other way. And luckily, there was a, uh, or not luckily, sadly, there was a uh, injury that happened that stopped it. But another case for that whole damage versus volume thing. Right. There was a Bellator card uh, from Italy. Be honest. Uh, Did I, you watch it? No, I, I, I didn't, didn't know. It was an, I was able to catch some highlights, <laughs> but I had no idea it was in Italy. And that's yeah, news to me. Yeah, yeah. They're really tight there, uh, Bellator in Italy. They were... Um, They've been over there a couple of different times and done some done some shows over there. I know that one of the times they had uh, Melvin Manhoff was the main event on the card. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Bellator 287. Yeah, Barnani and versus Piccolotti. <laughs> <laughs> He's from the southern part of it. <laughs> He's from the, the far southern part. It's really sunny um, down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nah, um, but uh, Barnoni won by uh, submission over Piccolotti. Uh, Fabian Edwards, the brother of the Leon UFC Edwards, champion, yep. Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. he got a unanimous decision against Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward was that fighter that fought in Bellator where when he won, Conor McGregor jumped into the cage and got into it mm-hmm. with the ref and all that. You remember that I a couple do. years ago? Then we had Ryzen, 39, did end up watching this uh, pretty good card all around 
it started off, it was funny because the first two fights of the night started off with Muay Thai fights, both Tezakura beating Mamadoff and Nakahara beating Naraguchi. Um, both TKOs, one was a corner stop, and the Nakahara fight ended by punches and a soccer kick. Nice. Gotta love the soccer kicks. Love the but, soccer kick. But though. them coming, them starting the event with those Muay Thai fights and both of them executing um, stoppages really reminded me of one. Really had that one mm-hmm. type feel to yep. it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but the, but the whole card was good. Uh, Isumi got TKO with punches over Sasaki. Um, and in the third round, uh, we had Takata get a submission with armbar over Zane. Um, Kami Hama got a TKO, punches and knees, heavyweight against Sakakis. Mm-hmm. And then the main event was a featherweight title bout versus Keebler, Kyoki, Erbs against Hishikuru. Juntaro Ushuku. And let's let's remember um, Kleber Erbs because um, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later on some of the upcoming mm-hmm. um, fights. Rising but, um, stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, good good fighter. Submission, um, triangle choke, round two. Um, you know, definitely has a... Yeah, some promise, and now is their their featherweight champion. So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the card overall was a pretty good card. I've really been seeing Ryzen's cards start to um, get better um, over time. It seems like I think that a lot of where they're kind of focusing their eyes is kind of into that into the growth. It seems like Japanese MMA is starting to get more traction. Not we don't got super traction. We're not mm-hmm. pride level, but we're dream level, but we're like <laughs> moving down that path and we're getting to a spot where eventually we could end up getting, um, some really, really good. I do. I, I, I really hope so because I think that whole region has a lot to offer the MMA scene. I really do. Speaking of Asian MMA, we had one on prime three Lineker versus Andrade, Andrade, <clears throat> and and I was really, uh, uh, yeah. However you want to pronounce the commentators it. Commentators <laughs> were having a hard time figuring out how they wanted to pronounce it too. Um, I was really stoked for this. Um, w- what transpired, like the fighting that actually occurred, did not disappoint. No, um, it did not get to go the full distance. It did end in a no contest. But before that happened, this was an awesome fight. Mm-hmm. And at different points each one of these fighters was able to impose their will and enforce their game plan. When Andraj was um, on the outside and landing his his kicks and his straight jabs, he was money. He was busting Lineker's face up. And then when Lineker decided to pressure and get inside and start landing his hooks, he was doing damage too. It was, yeah, it was a great fight to watch while it lasted. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, this was the fight that I was referencing earlier when we were talking about... Um, power shots versus volume shots. It mm-hmm. seemed like um, in the very beginning of the fight, um, Andraj uh, was really putting it on Lineker in the first round um, with the not only the um, T-kicks and the straight punches keeping him at a distance, but whenever he did get close, he was able to throw up these really quick knees almost like right. instantly. Yep. 
um, you know, because of the height disparity mm-hmm. between the two and what was, you know, punishing with those knees, um, you know, even how the fight ended. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then in the second round, Lineker, I thought, had, you know, been able to close the distance more. And when he did, he was able to get off a lot more shots. Um, I would have given the second round to Andrade, but, you know, you could have just as easily, if a ref had scored it for Lineker, I could have seen that based on what we talked about before with, Mm -hmm. you know, five or six really heavy power shots versus Mm -hmm. a bunch of, you know, a volume throughout the round. So, I mean, however you're going to score that, but it didn't end up even coming to a judge's, the judge's cards because um, Andrade, for whatever reason, I, I think it was the height disparity and sort of when he threw the, when he threw the knee, the first knee, it hit in the cup of Lineker. And then when he went to throw a second knee, because it was almost like right after that, when he went to throw the second knee, Lineker kind of like jumped up to kind of like watch out to not get hit in the groin again. And then he ended up getting hit right in the cup with it and cracked his cup. He was oh, trying man. to show everybody in the audience his junk. I mean, dry heaving <laughs> no, on the ground. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a bad deal. No, he, bad deal. he pulls his cup out and it's... It's crushed. Yeah. Like I don't. I've never seen anything like that before. And maybe it's just because the other fighters don't pull their cup out. But um, yeah, I've never seen that before. Yeah, if you're so, a real fighter, you're gonna pull your cup out. <laughs> gonna pull your cup out and show us. <laughs> like if, if, if you're gonna claim you got a low blow, then we need to see the cup. No cup check. Um, but it but it was that it was devastating. It was super painful. Um, I'm still not clear on their decision to rule it a no contest since. It was past the halfway point of the fight. They could have gone to the scorecards. It would have been interesting to see what the scorecards were um, because I had it one round apiece. First round on Drage, second round on Lineker. Um, but not only was he landing the harder punches, but he was getting takedowns. Like He had more offense yeah. throughout, that, throughout that second round. Um, and so it would have been interesting to see how the judges saw that third round because we only got about three out of the five minutes of it before the low blows. But again, this, this for me this brings up so many things because I feel like maybe a point probably should have been deducted for the multiple low blows. Um, so you get into a whole bunch of stuff about how you're going to want to score this, but get the numbers out right. But but either way, they avoided it by ruling it a no contest. So hopefully we get to see a rematch down the road because it was it was a great fight while it lasted yeah um i definitely was confused as well um i think part of it had to do with it being intentional versus intentional obviously if it was intentional they would have disqualified him said it was unintentional so it's a no contest but it was already past the halfway point so they should have been able to do the judges cards it would have been interesting to see but i think that that may have been part of it too is that it's probably it was probably just as easy as make it a no contest and then have the fight again because I mean, we talked about it before. I'm becoming more and more of a one fan every time that they have mm-hmm. a card on. But also, just all things considered, they probably don't have a lot of people beating down the door for the next title shot. So instead of icing one of them and them not having someone to fight again, let's do a no contest. Let's run it back. Right. Everybody wants to see it. Yeah, good point. Easy. So, mm-hmm. um, And then the other four fights that were on the main card... All ended in finishes. They had the submission match. Um, the lightweight submission grappling world championship. Yeah. So, so the last one 
<clears throat> had one as well, but it wasn't lightweight. It must have been featherweight or bantamweight. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely was lighter. They were definitely okay. lighter. So yeah. this one was lightweight. Yeah, but it ended in a submission, which the other one didn't. Yep, rear naked choke. Yeah, it was a rear naked choke round one. Uh, then we had a couple TKOs around three and around one. So, I mean, another great card by one. Really looking forward to uh, this month. One on Prime 4. Mm-hmm. Looks like a good card. And I am hawking their website to find out if this rumor that they're going to go to Broomfield, Colorado in May. Yep, we, is, need, we need to be on that. Yeah, is legit because if it is, we're getting tickets. We're going. I mean, might as well do a live podcast or something because we're we're gonna go. We'll we'll find out how to make that a great experience for you guys too. <laughs> we we really will because yeah, if it, yeah, if they bring it all the way here, we gotta at least meet them. Mm-hmm. You know, so meet them in the state. So that and man, I could just imagine coming to the U.S. for the first time. What kind of card they put together? Just that whole spectacle would be so great to see in person. It would be. It would be. So another great one card. Um, now let's get to what's probably going to take up a good chunk of the time. Um, one of the main things is going to take up a good chunk of time on this podcast tonight, um, is UFC 280, the fallout. So by all means, um, (coughs) yeah, fallout's very appropriate. Um, great card, a lot of good fights. It was a stacked card. Um, I was stoked to be able to watch it. Uh, so many great names. Um, I'm going to let you decide where we start on this one because it, we could start from the bottom. We could start from the top, wherever you want. I'm just going to start at the bottom. Okay. Uh, Lena Landsberg, big fan. Um, Rosa came out and just was very game. Landsberg is known as the queen of elbows. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but she really couldn't get much of it going i think that rosa was just she just knew exactly how to fight her keep her at a disadvantage put her on the ground beat her up when it was on the feet she was scoring better um was really impressed just straight off the bat very first fight was impressed with a lot of the undercard was pretty good i'll be honest with you there was a lot of good fights we had talked about it before um Russians coming in, part of that whole Russian wave, mm-hmm. uh, making their the Dagestani wrestler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The new breed in the UFC right now. And especially being in Abu Dhabi, I mean, it makes sense. It's, <clears throat> you know, the closest that the UFC is really going to get right now to be in there. So uh, Armin Petrosian looked good. Abu Bakar looked good. Well, um, and with visa issues too, right? They don't have yeah. to worry about getting an American exactly. visa being from Russia. Abu Dhabi is going to clear him no matter what. So. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so yeah, it's the it's the best of both worlds there. Um, so yeah, so both of those look good. We had the Nikita Krylov Vulcan Ozdemir fight. That was surprising to me. I, I thought Vulcan was going to take that fight, and he and he did not. He got he got beat up, man. Yeah, I mean, I picked uh, Nikita. Um, I just kind of felt that, you know, not only did he show that he was uh, a threat on the feet, we knew he was a threat with the submission. Neither of those really proved to be the standpoint. What it ended up being was really Nikita could just take more punishment. Volkan was really putting the punishment on him in the beginning, and Nikita was able to weather it. And then as we got further into the fight, Vulcan, you know, kind of chinny. He's just been mm-hmm. in a lot of wars, so that was showing. Yep. And we went to decision, and Nikita got the nod. 
So, mm-hmm. Barilio looked good. He did. He did. He looked really good. He did. Against uh, Mermadoff. Chow. <clears throat> looking forward to seeing him fight again. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a good prospect moving up. Yeah, exactly. Performance of the night, though. I mean, a lot of times <laughs> they give out a lot of different performances of the night, and there was some other uh, fighters that had got performance of the night on this card. But for me, the, for me, the biggest you know, showcase of the card, the whole card, was the main event of the prelims. Bulal Muhammad going in there, just really taking out Sean Brady, ending his undefeated streak, knocking him out, got the KO. I mean, this is a guy that came in just super wrestling heavy, super decision or grinder, um, you know, uh, sporting the Palestinian flag, had a lot, a lot of support for him for a long time. And now he's gotten to the point where his game is just progressed to so many such a high level now that he went in there i mean and i thought it was going to be a lot closer of a fight i i did favor bulal to win but i remember even when we were doing the the preview and we were talking about it i was you know saying that i thought that it was going to be a really close fight both of these fighters really have this the same strengths and so i thought that it was going to be a lot of canceling out and it looked like you know Muhammad was just on another plane. He just went in there and just took it to Sean Brady. And, and credit to Sean Brady after the loss, he you know came out and said, you know, my first loss. I'm gonna you know uh, learn from this and become a lot better and all those kinds of things. And so I really think he will, um, given you know how, as long as he was undefeated. But yeah, just hats off. Really impressed with the fighter that Muhammad has become that he's transitioned into. Not only super grapple, technical threat, now also, you know, can knock you out, just just a weapon. So, so <clears throat> I want to preface this by saying it was a standing TKO. Yeah. So, and I've already expressed my thoughts <laughs> on those. However, Bilal Muhammad has got to be the most underappreciated fighter on the roster in any weight class right yeah, now. I would agree. And, and I... Yeah, he he is he's winning fights, man. And he's winning fights in devastating fashion. He's fighting the people that nobody else want to fight. No, no. You know, there's nothing bad you can say about this guy right now. Um I I really wanted to see how that Leon Edwards Bilal Muhammad fight would have gone down without the eye poke that resulted in a no contest Especially there. Especially now. Especially now. Especially now. With where they're both at now, I mean, man, like, uh, I remember when that first fight got announced, I was like, okay, this should be good, but it wasn't the matchup that I wanted to see out of both of them. But now, now I really want to see that fight. Yeah, absolutely. And and you got to give you got to give Bilal his props if that fight ever comes to fruition. That's a, I'm telling you, in of the last four or five fights I have seen. Bilal has won in four or five different ways. Like this is he's gonna find a way to win a fight. He's game planning, precise, you know, round by round, how he how he's gonna do it, how he's gonna take you out, and and he's executing. And as unaggressive and patient as we've seen him in some fights, that was not the case in the Sean Brady fight. He knew he had to take it to him, and he did, and he put him away. 
Yep. No, I agree. Uh, also on the card, uh, Faro looked good against Jukagan. I kind of favored Jukagan to win, but I thought Faro really took it to her. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to give a second place for a performance of the night, this is my performance of the night. It would have been to the uh, Dariush Gamra. Yeah, Dariush versus Gamra. I remember was talking about the uh, preview for UFC 280 and how we were both favoriting uh, Gamrat to win. I think that most people were. I think that um, he has sort of the modern, heavy wrestling hybrid style, um, probably one of the ones that is h- highlighting um, that type style um, into the you know modern day. And so I thought that it was a lot of... That was what we were going to see, sort of passing of the torch. Darius owned him. Yeah, no. Bell I mean, to bell. He, he owned him. I mean, he I mean, he took <clears> it <throat> to him. He made him fight his fight. Um, he just was, you know, every time it was standing up, Darius was just putting the pressure on him, scoring excellent shots, wouldn't give him any time of day to get any of his game plan going. I mean, it was just uh, really a master class from the veteran showing, you know, this, you know, this is a different level when you get up here. And I was, I was really impressed a lot more than I thought I was going to be. And now, I mean, I mean, we're, we're talking about him as one of the top three in the division, as far as who's going to fight who for the title. Like he's in there. He, he absolutely is. And he absolutely should be. His recent body of work is super impressive. He's on a great streak. Again, Mateus, you know, he's one of those guys, Mateus and Armin Sarukian, these are the two guys that nobody wants to fight this weight class because yeah. people are rank squatting. And Dariush, who had a fight booked with Islam and got it pulled out from underneath him, yep. has to go in and fight this other really good up-and-comer. And, yeah, just like I said, owns him bell to bell. And even though Dana has said he wants the next title shot to go to um, Volk, I I want Dariush to get that. I want Dariush to get that crack the belt to Islam. I think he's going to give him all he can handle. Yeah, and a lot of times we talk about you know not just us but people in the sport, pundits, journalists, what what have you, talk about oh he's deserving of a title shot or maybe he hasn't done enough to deserve a title title shot. I mean, if you looked up the definition of deserving the title shot, it's going to have to be Benil. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. seriously, like, I don't know how long the dude has to have a win streak against that kind of level of competition, fighting all the killers that nobody else wants and continuing to come out on top. I mean, do I want to see the Makachev versus uh, Volkanovski match? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I'm a big fan of yeah. those champion versus champion matches. Me too. Me too. Are they going to make it? Yes, they're going to make it. Do I want to see Dariush fight? someone else for a number one contender spot no no i don't because <laughs> no. i think that he's done enough even you know everything up into no. and including the gamrot fight so so here's the monkey in the wrench though here because you know who islam's manager is yes he wants that the rat fuck fight. yeah and we know their relationship with with dana he tends to get the matchups that he wants. Well, yeah, because the rat fuck sucks it from the back, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure... Uh, we'd, have to, we'd have to look this up, but I think Benil's represented by um, the same manager, so I, I think 
he's thinking he can get a cut of both purses. Hundred percent. And one of his fighters wins no matter what, as opposed to taking the chance on both. But on Volkanovski, yeah. Um, but I'm hoping he pushes for that because the Volk fight will always be there. I don't see Volk losing his next fight. Um, so yes, I want Darius doesn't get any younger. I want Darius to get that next shot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing that sucks about it is because like, if Makachev wins, then. I really want to see Darius fight him. That's mm-hmm. the fight that I want to see, especially after this Gamera fight. Now I really want to see exactly. Darius go in there and see what he can do against Islam. But if Bolkanovsky wins, I mean, yeah, I would definitely say that Darius is the most deserving, but do I want to see that matchup? Maybe not so much. A, a little bit less. Um, but yeah, I mean, but one of those benefits of the scenario where the champ in the lower weight class moves up and wins is you have so many matchups mm-hmm. to make because he hasn't fought anybody in that weight class. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's you got like a smorgasbord. You can match him up with anybody in the top 10, you know, and and see what happens, you know. I mean, can you imagine some of those? I mean, Volkanovski you're talking about? Yeah. No, 100%, and I would love to see him versus Charles Oliveira, but Exactly. But the point therein still lies I don't want to see Darius fight anybody else except for the title. Yep. yep. So if Volkanovski wins, he has to fight Volkanovski. And that's not the fight that you really want to see. So. I, I, I get you. Um, size and skill-wise, I, I, I mean, I know Volk would have the speed advantage, but uh, again, after what we've seen he'll go through these past couple of fights. I know. I know. I don't know. I don't I. I, I I definitely wouldn't favor Volkanovski, I'll be honest with you. Even if Volkanovski was able to beat Islam, which is kind of crazy, I think, but even if he was, like, not that he can't beat him, it's just that the style that Volkanovski brings to the featherweight division is good because he's such a, you know, like, like stout mm-hmm. type fighter and he's able to, you know, push his will that sort of way. I think going against someone like Islam, who is has sort of the same type of style, but just is bigger. I think that, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily not favor Volkanovsky to win. Uh, I, but I don't think Volk's the betting favorite in that fight against that. Yeah. Against Makachev. No, exactly. Um, for that. And, and anything can happen, but at the same time, Yeah. We'd have to. We're gonna have to just see what all happens because that's gonna be the fight they're gonna make. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, unless somebody gets injured, some other <laughs> extenuating circumstance. Who knows? You yeah. never know with U- UFC or with MMA in general. You never know. So true. Yeah. So I guess now we find ourselves getting into Sean O'Malley getting yeah. the nod against yeah. Peter Yawn. Yeah. It's not what I saw. That's not. That's not the fight I saw. I thought O'Malley showed a lot more than what I was expecting against Jan, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I don't think he won the fight. I mean, I had it I had it two rounds to one for Jan, and it could have just easily been three rounds to zip. So that's where I was at with it. So this fight went down exactly as, as I thought it would. Um, O'Malley, having the height and reach advantage, would, would be able to touch Peter Jan, but they would not necessarily be as significant as the strikes Peter Jan was going to be able to land. Add into that 
the amount of different ways Peter Yan was able to put Sean O'Malley on his back, on his butt, get takedowns, get trips, land heavy shots. He hurt Sean O'Malley. He got inside and, and he was hurting Sean O'Malley. You, you could tell Sean O'Malley had never been hurt like that in the fight before. I did not understand the scorecards in this fight. I hadn't... Well, one judge had it for Yan. It was a split decision. One judge did have it for Yan. But it was but still 48-47. Yeah. He still had it yeah. three rounds of two, which I still... I still don't get that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I mean... Home cooking, maybe. I, I don't think the UFC wants O'Malley to lose. I think that if Yan won, I think it kind of stagnates the division a little bit. You got this star that's pushing up. If he takes out O'Malley, O'Malley <clears throat> kind of gets sub, you know, kind of gets put on ice. Yan can't necessarily go straight for another title fight because he's already had two mm-hmm. against Aljo. So that kind of stagnates that out. Not saying that they cooked up the case, but I'm just saying the only thing I can think of how that fight went that way is either the judges had really no idea what they were watching. One, two, they made a mistake of who of whose score was <laughs> on which side, or three, there's some fucking malfeasance. So, so and so, what's interesting is how often these suspect scorecards favor the UFC business model, right? Like, isn't that isn't that super interesting? Very ironic. Um, Very yeah. Ironic. So here's here's the other thing I, I wanted to point out. So Sean O'Malley has a fight against Rollian Paiva, mm-hmm. um, December 11th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Neither of these fighters are ranked. And sure, he TKOs him. Then he gets a step up in competition against Pedro Munoz, which goes not even around before it's a no contest. And then all of a sudden, Sean O'Malley is the number 11 ranked fighter in his weight class. Yeah. Yeah, much less going after number two mm-hmm. from being number 11. Yeah. And then the judges somehow see the fight for him that really nobody but those judges yeah. see it for. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the dudes just has to be the luckiest <laughs> motherfucker. I don't even, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think he won that fight. I don't think he deserved his no, ranking. No, no, you think. get it and I get it and we all get it. <laughs> But we all don't have proof of it, so we all just have to kind of just sit here and kind of wander aimlessly into this. And just wonder which one they're going to fuck up next. Yeah, I mean, but it is what it is. And you know what? It's no discredit to O'Malley. Like, like, it's not, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, even after the fight, when they were, like, you know, interviewing him, you could tell that they were like, well, what do you want to do next? And he was like, well, I really don't want to fight for a title. He's like, Jan is such a great guy, such a great fighter, it was such a tough fight. Like, he knew that he didn't win that fight, you know? And so I really don't have any, I really don't have any animosity towards O'Malley. Uh, he's trying to make the best out of the situation, with all things considered. But, I mean... <clears throat> You're right. And it's, and it's hard to have one stance on something like this without making it sound like... Um, I hate Sean O'Malley, so anti-Sean O'Malley. That's that's not the case. Yes, not it, the case. M- much respect for the way Sean O'Malley handled that step-up in competition. Yep. He did really well. Yep. He landed good shots. He fought a good fight. Yep. Um, 
But no, I just don't think he won. That. I just nope. don't think he won that. Fight. No, he didn't. He didn't win that fight. But here's the thing: this happens in MMA where there are these weird circumstances where the judging is either completely off base or there's like you laid out a good case of weird scenarios that happen to get somebody into a certain position. Um, you know, McGregor's another example. But um, yeah. there there are these types of things that happen. And then what ends up convoluting it is then when you end up having discussions with other people and they bring up these fighters and they're like, oh, but what about when Yon lost to O'Malley? And you have to be like, look, okay, I know what it says on paper, but if you watch the fucking fight, exactly. you'll know that he didn't exactly. lose that fight. And, so, and, and these kinds of things happen. I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of them that's happened throughout, um, you know, uh, my viewership mm-hmm. into MMA and being a fan for all these years, these kinds of things happen. It sucks. What are you going to do? But it is funny because that kind of stuff does happen. And then later on, you'll end up finding somebody and they'll be talking to, you know, you'll be talking with MMA with them or whatever. And they're like, you know, oh, but O'Malley, but he beat Yawn. And you just be like, dude. Like, but, but he didn't. Like, <sighs> no. And yeah, it's, uh, that that's a real interesting scenario. Whenever whenever that comes up, I, I always have to say, let's insert some context into this conversation, okay? Because, did you watch the fight? Because <laughs> I don't think you did. It's really important <laughs> that we understand what went down. Now, yeah. I I understand what the Wikipedia page says. Exactly. I get that. Yeah. I get what the numbers next to his name as far as record go. However, yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that. Nope. Yeah, this is true. This okay. is true. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so not as much time as we thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the co-main event, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Another detour that we're going to have to maneuver through here. Man, um, I mean, injury bug again. Yeah, injury bug was a big proponent. We talked a little bit about it beforehand. Basically, uh, looked like it was going to be a good fight. Uh, Aljo went for a takedown. Dillashaw tried to, um, you know, post and get his arm down to kind of prevent Aljo from getting the takedown. His arm went out of place. Mm-hmm. He was on the ground with his arm, with his shoulder out of socket. You could tell he was trying to defend himself while Aljo had him mounted and was just beating the shit out of him. Um, and he was able to survive that whole round. Credit to Dillashaw. Yeah, yeah. Survived it. Got Got done with the round. Went to his corner. They looked like they popped it back in, looked like, or at least somewhat popped it back in. Wasn't really. The fight continued. It came right back out of socket again. <laughs> right back out. Uh, and more of the same ensued, and uh, Aljo ended up getting the stop. Once again, you know, and then after the fight, Dillashaw, you, you know, sort of not discrediting Aljo's win, but coming out and saying, my arm went out of place 20 times during camp and this and that and all the rest of that. Yeah, but dude, like, okay, so here's here's a whole thing that we're going to have to get into, okay? Some fighters and some journalists or whatever in the sport, mostly fighters, have said that, you know, it's not really an excuse for your arm coming out of socket 20 times during camp to then come out and say that because 
every fighter has injuries. They all talk about, you know, that nobody's 100% before they go into fights. Um, a lot of those kinds of things. But even more so that, you know, with this case, that Dillashaw should have known. You, I, I've been hearing journalists and pundits talk about how Dillashaw should have known better going into a championship tie fight with his shoulder going in and out mm. that he wasn't going to be able to perform that he wasn't going to that it wasn't going to be entertaining and that was on him to make that call he didn't make that call he has to live with that my while while I do find that there's validity within the fighter scenario of that fighters probably all if not most fight injured and fighting through injuries is just part of the sport and especially at that high of a level you're not gonna take time out to be 100% because then you're only gonna fight like once every couple years maybe so I understand that to be 100% valid but then when we get to the pundit side of that argument and we talk about well Dillashaw should have known better that it wasn't gonna be entertaining we gotta figure out what we're talking about here are we talking about a show are we talking about you know, just the overall performance of it and just the entertainment value that's associated with MMA. Because last time I checked, this is a competition. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in competition, especially physical competition, you don't get to choose so much of the scenarios that kind of happen to get, to get it to that spot. It's just how it is. And a lot of it is how you have to deal with it. The scenarios, both during competition and that lead up to it, that kind of make it for what it is. And so they want to kind of bash Dillashaw, which I'm not a big fan of Dillashaw. Personally, there's a lot of stuff like that, that we don't need to get into now, but whatever. I'm not necessarily, I don't dislike the dude. It's just, I'm not a big fan, but that's not what my point is here. My point is here that I'm trying to get to is that I don't agree with a fighter pulling out of a fight based on not being able to live up to some sort of entertainment value. Mm -hmm. That is not where I think that the sport should be. That's not how I think we should view the sport. That's not how I want, how I hope the athletes that compete in the sport view the sport, because if that's where we get to, I mean, it's realistically, we're on some like TV show drama type shit once we get to that. Like, we're, like, headed down that path is what I'm saying. So, yeah, his arms popped out of place maybe 20 times or anything. Is it the best scenario to go into a fight? No. Is he already taken off two years plus because of, you know, uh, the uh, performance-enhancing drugs that Mm -hmm. he got caught for? Um, Is he not an elder veteran of the sport, former champion. Does he not, you know, is time actively fighting against him yep. is, does he get to come back and have one performance where he probably didn't win the fight, but he got the nod and now he's going to get a title shot. And now you're saying based on the fact that his arms popping out of place and entertainment value that he should give up that title shot. And then what, and then have to fight again for it or fight. I mean, that's my whole scenario. It's like, you're damned. If you do, you damned, if you don't, he tried to make, in my perspective, tried to make the best out of the situation, block out all the bad that was going in his mind, try to figure out a game plan to work around that, you know, tried to fight a lot more with the right, keep it all mm-hmm. as much as he could together, 
Aljo just went out there, went for the takedown. He probably shouldn't have tried to post, but that was just a natural, you know, movement to get, getting to keeping away from that takedown. It happened. It's just that's that's what goes. That's what happens, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I, I've seen a lot of that that has gone on in the media, and especially from, you know, journalists and pundits that I respect and that are always constantly on that bandwagon of. Oh, this isn't a circus. They're turning it into a circus, blah, 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 those things. But then at the same time, we'll come out here and be like, oh, Dillashaw should have known better that you wouldn't be able to perform to a certain level and that the entertainment value would suffer. It's like, what are we doing here? What, 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 are, we, what are we talking about? So you, you're right. And, and there, there are multiple separate conversations around this. And, and a lot of times what happens is it gets convoluted and you'll even see in a lot of these sports shows one person is having one conversation and the person he's talking to is having a, a completely different conversation and like w w it's so confusing you guys are both talking about the same event but you're literally talking about different aspects of it yep <clears throat> now you're right me being the fan that i am and um looking forward to that fight of course i was disappointed i'm going to be disappointed we've talked about this already in the show Anytime an injury prevents one of these fighters from performing, um, but you're right. You've raised so many good points. What what choice does Dillashaw have? Does he know if he pulls out, he's getting another title shot? No. Does he know how long he had to wait to get his title shot back this time? Yes. Does he know how difficult it was to win that number one contender spot to get that title shot? Yes. I mean, by the skin of his teeth. <clears throat> by the skin of his teeth, and and so. For 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 all of the backseat drivers, for all of the armchair fighters, you can you can say whatever you want, but Dillashaw made the best decision for for him. And Dillashaw, like you said, Dillashaw thought that he'd be able to, even with that um, disability, he thought he'd be able to go in there and not put on a, an entertaining show, but win the fight. Yeah, you yeah, know? find. <clears throat> find the possibility in the fight to make that happen, yeah. to bring that into reality, bring that into fruition, you know? And that's what that's what it's all about. Right. I mean, if the fight can go, we talk about it all the time, the fight can go any number of ways. Mm -hmm. And when you run it all through the computer and break it all down of what's possible, after it all is said and done, it's going to be about 50-50 no matter what. So literally, what, what are you going to do? You're either going to go in there and fight it now or or you're not, mm -hmm. and then you have to play that whole game, and it's just like, especially when you're an older veteran, especially when you know, you're know, you a former champion, lost his title, and has been gone for a long time, and has come back into the sport, and now gets a title shot, barely, you know, it's just like, but hats off to Aljo, I'm telling you, I mean, the further that we keep going with this, I mean, when Aljo originally won the belt from Jan, I was like, oh, he didn't win that fight. Oh, that was bad. And then when he was going to fight Jan, I was like, yeah, it's going to be bad for Aljo. And Aljo proved me wrong. And then when he fought Dillashaw, I was like, oh, this is going to, this <laughs> is probably going to be a lot better of a fight to, to get to test out Aljo. And it wasn't. Aljo went right through him. So, I mean, and now we're to a point where Aljo's looking, you know, like the champion that he is mm -hmm. at the top. You have, you know, O'Malley, who won the fight, the other Bantamweight bout, who everybody was saying that this is the number one contender fight. He won that. O'Malley doesn't want to fight Aljo next. O'Malley wants to fight Cheeto in a rematch. Cheeto doesn't really want to fight O'Malley. Cheeto's like, 
you know, he's not really saying he wants to fight Aljo, but he's not saying that he wants to fight O'Malley. He's kind of just like, whatever the UFC wants, I'm going to do. The only person that's really in the top right now that's calling out anybody is Henry Cejudo. Right. Who's been gone for a long time. Right. And he's calling out everybody. <clears throat> he wants right. to fight everybody. So, I mean, hats off to Henry Cejudo, but like, what a, what a fucking mess, man. I'm telling you. It's like, even when we try to get all this figured out, it's like, it always ends up somehow the train ends up getting off the rails again. And then we got all these pieces of parts and we got to try to put them all back on and get it all going again, you know? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm not intrigued by Cejudo matchups with any of these aforementioned people, but I do like any number of the matchups, any way you stack up those aforementioned people, any way you want to stack up Cheeto and Aljamain, Aljamain and O'Malley, any way you want to work that. You even keep Peter Yan in there, you know? Yan and Cheeto, how awesome would that fight be? You know, O'Malley and Aljamain, Sterling, like that. These are all these are all great matchups. I like what's going on at the top here. Um, I like... Uh, after that first... Peter Young, Aljamain Sterling fight, knowing that they were getting that rematch, there was nothing I saw in that first fight that led me to believe Aljamain could win that second Peter Young fight. Peter Young was winning the striking, he was winning the, the takedowns, he was. And Aljamain game planned the shit out of that. And came in and knew exactly. Found his weakness. Yeah, knew exploited exactly. it over and over again. I mean, so glaring that when you're watching, you're just like, never even thought this was possible. Yeah. You know? and, and he didn't put him away. And there were parts of that fight that weren't terribly exciting. But he climbed on his back, had his back for an incredible amount of time. And, you know, so you give him the win. But yeah. the point was, was that he, he saw exactly how that first fight went down, just like we all did. And he knew what the proper steps to take to fix his holes and exploit, you know, the holes in Peter Jan's game, which which is great. Which that alone, aside from Aljamain's physical attributes, watching him game plan like that shows you how dangerous he's going to be for anybody yeah. trying to come for that belt right no, now. No, exactly, and shows the championship ability. I mean, when you take a look at somebody like GSP, GSP always wasn't the best striker always mm. wasn't the best grappler always wasn't depending on who he was fighting against but he knew how to take the fight where to put the fight mm-hmm. to execute to the best advantage for him to get those decisions i mean absolutely that's that's what it's about you mm-hmm. know so if aljo can go in there if he can't knock out peter yawn on the stand-up he's gonna go in there and figure out how to make it work and he did and decisively i mean yep. so much so that i was just i was flabbergasted so yep. i mean yeah so Hats off to Aljo for the win. You know, it sucks that that's the way that it went down. I would have liked to have seen it a lot. Uh, I would have liked to have seen the fight play out a lot more than that. There's been a, you know, even though, like I said before, I'm not a, a Dillashaw fan. I've seen a lot of Dillashaw fights, including the Dominic Cruz. I mean, still one of the best Bantamweight fights, I think, of all time when for the title and stuff. And so he's had some amazing fights in his career really thought that we were going to get to see something special here it didn't end up working out that's how it goes sometimes so even to this day i really love going back and rewatching old dillashaw fights and i usually start from the first head and barrow fight um <laughs> well that's where you would have to start because before then he was a different fighter. <laughs> he was so. a different fighter. he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't dillashaw. as impressive but yeah <clears throat> but yeah, there was just there were just so many I- impressive performances. The Cruz one, both of the Garbrandt mm-hmm. fights. Mm-hmm. There was they're just a, a joy to watch. Just as a pure 
fan of watching, hey, let's watch a good fight mm-hmm. that has some action. There, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, no, and that Burrell fight, I mean, still, I mean, that was when you really got to see, like, oh, like, this TJ dude is for real. Like, you know, he's going to come out here and he's going to, mm-hmm. I mean, just danced all over him, just oh yeah, showed him. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we get to the main event. Get to the main event. Both of us favored Oliveira. Yep. Both of us yep. talked about how we're gonna have to eat crow on this one. Both of us <laughs> both of us wrong. talked about how, God, you know, so wrong. Islam was unproven <laughs> and that, you know, Charles was gonna find the way to exploit him, and that's what we both expected to see. And both of us were wrong. So wrong. So wrong. Islam took it to him on the feet. You know, landed some power shots. Early, like yep. early, yep. Landed, just coming, was just shots. was coming right out the gate after him, landing shots, dropped him, yeah, jumped on top of him, fucking submitted him. The guy who has the most submissions in the UFC, yeah, submitted him quick. Yep. So it was round two. I mean, I know. I, I was, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, what, what else can I say? I was thoroughly impressed. Islam is the new champion. Hats off to him. And uh, and if the Volkanovski match is the next one, which for all intents and purposes looks like it's going to be, I'm going to favor Islam in that fight. So yeah, no, me too. And and it it's, it speaks to the parity in the UFC where like maybe you have to put the number ten guy up against the number one guy, and maybe he hasn't been proven or beaten the same level of competition. That doesn't mean he can't win that fight. Nope, exactly, exactly. And that that kind of foreshadows. The preview made oh, yeah. event that we're going to talk about later on tonight. So, all right, perfect transition. Okay. Okay, so that will wrap up the overview. We are headed to the hot takes. Ouch! It's fucking hot, bro. Oh nope, we're not. We're not headed to the hot takes. Well, I okay. guess we're kind of headed to the hot take. We're we're halfway in the hot takes. Maybe more so. Maybe we're like 60% in the hot takes and only 40% out because we still have a boxing match that happened last weekend. Right, right. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. So some of it, and by boxing, I'm using quotations there. Not necessarily in their match, but over the the whole card. I mean, for me, the fight that had the next, you know, most relevance in it was the Uriah Hall Le'Veon Bell boxing match. And that really wasn't a boxing match. Former MMA fighter versus former NFL running back in a sanctioned boxing match. Like what has boxing become nowadays? Maybe a good topic for a future show, but seriously, (laughs) seriously, where where are we at with boxing right now? What do you mean what do you mean by nowadays? Like since when? Since I mean seriously, since the nineties? Since I mean I don't remember any Former NFL athletes boxing in the 90s. No, 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 you're right. No, you're right. By that, what I just mean is like boxing has been on a downtrend since the 90s is all I'm saying. You get into the 2000s, that's when they were trying to bring back Tyson and they had him fight Mm -hmm. whoever after he's long past his prime and all those awful fights. And there just wasn't, I mean... The Klitschko's becoming the world champions and those boring to death fights. Mm -hmm. And like it just boxing has been on a downward trend for a long time. Mm -hmm. So to find that this is where we're at today, I'm really not too, too uh, shocked, you know, as uh, in the immortal words of Nate Diaz, 
ain't surprised, <laughs> I'm motherfucker. Not surprised, motherfucker. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I guess it was because I spent so much focus on MMA and not as much on boxing for so long that I didn't see the gradual descent into the bowels of what it's become until I look up one day and yeah, I, I'm you know Adrian Peterson is, is and I'm like the 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 Viking <laughs> like the, <laughs> the guy that the, was beating his wife the guy that was beating his wife I mean I <laughs> I hope he gets knocked out um, which I think he did I, I think he um, did too but wasn't yeah. that Le'Veon Bell was I it don't I think running it was, back versus running back it was I but don't I don't know. think it was Le'Veon Bell I think it was somebody else but either way either way there's a bunch of them now that's the whole that's what I'm saying it's like it's YouTube stars, former MMA fighters, and former NFL running backs. Like, this is what boxing is now. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, but the thing is, is like, okay, the structure of boxing, some people want to say that it's broken. I don't know if it's necessarily broken. You have it heavily favoring the fighters, sort of like completely unionized, but then also... You have all these promotions with all their belts, so there's no clear mm-hmm. winner. And a lot of times they have to gather a couple of belts or certain organizations say that this is probably the champion or however that works out. It's a, it's a whole fiasco right. okay? between the structuring of it from what it used to be to what it is today. And a lot of it is the reason why it was what it was in yesteryear is how we got it to today mm-hmm. because it was, you know, just completely out there kind of like the wild west whatever goes kind of happens that's why there's the you know muhammad ali act and all the legislation that's been put forth and all the rest of that so we find ourselves now at this point where boxing is the best alternative for individual prize fighting because realistically when you go into Mm -hmm. mma the promoters make the majority of the dollar off of every off of every dollar and they make the majority of the percentage mm-hmm. and then that splits then down into the fighters whereas you know in organizations like pfl and bellator they pay like 30 percent to the fighters and in the ufc it's something closer to like 16 percent or something okay yeah. so that's why you have everybody and their mom trying to get involved with boxing because you're putting your health on the line to get in there you're gonna make the majority <laughs> of the paycheck I mean, it just makes <clears throat> sense to me. No, you know? you, no, you're absolutely right. You you said it very well. It was very eloquent. As far as the apex for prize fighting, this is where you're going to get your biggest purse. So this is where, this is where we're at. Um, now, the actual fight, Jake <laughs> Paul versus Anderson Silva. Are we done with Uriah Hall versus Le'Veon Bell? I didn't think we were. Uh, okay, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just you know kidding. what? I I didn't watch it. Was it a good fight? Um, okay, so since you asked, um, I know you're a Uriah Hall fan, so yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that, um, but, and Le'Veon Bell played for who? The Steelers, that's right, go Steelers. Uh, so, <laughs> so, um, oh, so, no, so how I seen the fight was, um, Le'Veon Bell had really been working a lot on the fundamentals and basics and knew a little bit mm-hmm. about how to not look like just... Shit. Uh, yeah, a total shit show <laughs> in the ring. But he went up against Uriah Hall. Now, Uriah Hall is not the greatest boxer. Didn't showcase great boxing skills. I'll be 100% honest with you. Didn't showcase them. But Uriah Hall is a fucking prize fighter. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he went in there and he brought the fight to Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. 
Le'Veon Bell tried to work his best boxing, shell, defense, and just kind of got pushed around the ring the entire time, lost the lost the decision. But I mean, it wasn't close in my book. I mean, it was you had somebody trying to box versus somebody that was trying to fight so he can give it to. You know? Yeah. You yeah. got somebody trying to trying to fight and taking the fight to the other opponent mm-hmm. while the other guy's just trying to box. He's trying to score and get out of the way. But right. he's really taking a lot of shit too. Yeah. So I mean, I think it was as good as it could have been as opposed to just somebody getting knocked right out the beginning, which I kind of <laughs> thought was going to happen. But since it didn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, and then after the after the fight, Uriah Hall was like, I'm, I'm here to fuck up Jake Paul. If Anderson <laughs> Silva doesn't do it, I'm doing it. I'm just like, bro, like, that wasn't a boxing match. I'm going to be honest with you. It wasn't boxing. So. You know, the, so the biggest problem that Uriah Hall has, um, and this is somebody who's an incredibly talented striker. Yeah, and this is coming from a Uriah Hall fan. And I'm I a Uriah Hall to... fan, but he really has a hard time pulling the trigger sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And and when that happens, you, you tend to lose fights. You tend to get hit. And um, so I, I know that he talks a big talk, and I'm not saying he wouldn't be able to land some good shots against um, Jake Paul, but it, I, I still consider Anderson the better boxer of the two. And 100%. if Anderson Silva couldn't do it, then yeah, Hall's not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, in that you know perfect way to preface the Anderson Silva Jake Paul fight I had it scored a draw in on my I thought that Anderson Silva had won uh more of the rounds um but the last round Jake Paul got a knockdown Mm -hmm. it was a 10-8 made it a draw in my book what this fight really showed me was that you have to be you have to take Jake Paul serious and we can get into all the talk about the fight being fixed and all that and the and punches and all that, uh, you know, whatever, phantom punches or whatever being like that. But the thing is, is that anybody that knows Anderson Silva and knows Anderson Silva's fighting career, the dude has been a student of not only MMA, but of boxing for a long time. Really respected boxing for fucking Years, if not decades now, they've mm-hmm. talked about Anderson Silva was going to box Roy Jones Jr. Mm-hmm. and fucking all that shit. And even back when he was the champion, even yep. back when he was winning and had a crazy undefeated streak, there was talk then about him boxing and stuff. So when he quit doing MMA and went to boxing, it made sense. When he went in there and fought, uh, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and beat him, I wasn't really surprised because I... I knew that it wasn't somebody that was going for a payday. Mm. This is somebody that had been watching for a long time, that had been talking about it for a long time, that had a high passion for the sport. I knew he knew what he was doing. I knew he knew what he was looking at, mm-hmm. and he, he had the ability to train and and you know perform at a high level with combat sports. That's, I mean, more or less what I... I didn't expect him to go out there and beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. like that. But at the same time, when it happened, it's just like, yeah, like he's been been at this. Right. So for him. So then for Anderson Silva to gain all that momentum and to go against Jake Paul and in a in a boxing match where he could 
you know, further his legacy and and all of his accolades and all the years that he's got in sports, for him to get up there and, you know, pay to take a dive. Like, this is not somebody that needs the money. Right. He doesn't need it. This is a guy that's fighting for legacy, that's fighting for passion, that's fighting because this is something that he wanted to do for a long time, wasn't able to. Now he's able to, even though he's past his prime, and this is what he's doing. I mean... It's as legit as legit can get. Mm. So he goes in there and puts the, and fights Jake Paul. I thought that Jake Paul did a, did a phenomenal job with what he was up against. I knew that Anderson Silva was probably the better boxer uh, tac- tactically. I, I just knew that Anderson was going to be able to score, get out of he was longer, get out of range, you know, and showcase a lot of those boxing skills that he had, which I thought he did thing about Jake Paul was he didn't go anywhere. He didn't, you know, take an overload of punishment. And when time came, he found where that right hand needed Mm -hmm. to be. And he sat Anderson down. Yep. And when you're dealing with somebody that is able to do that at that, at that kind of, I mean, this is a guy that is YouTube has, you know, fought a handful of times in boxing. And now he's able to do something like that. Like what this showed me was that Jake Paul is becoming somebody that you have to be you have to take more serious than just a YouTube star. So right. when I'm looking at this card and I'm knowing that it's a circus, I don't think about it with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva as being part of that circus anymore. I, I thought it was a, an entertaining fight. It was it was fun to watch. They both took it to each other. They both had great moments. Um, the most impressive thing for me was when Anderson Silva did hit Jake Paul and hit him hard and hit him good. He didn't. He didn't wilt. Yeah, you know, um, uh, and, and even in the highest echelons of some of the uh, professional fighters, you will still see that sometimes. Yeah. Some people are good at being the hammer, not good at being the nail. I mean, Ortiz, Tito Ortiz got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, one punch against yeah. Anderson. And I mean, he's an he's an old veteran that's been in wars too. So I mean, he's punchy as shit. But I'm just saying, you got somebody like that. He went right out there and he starched him. So I mean, yeah. And, and, and even if it doesn't knock you out, like a lot of times you'll see that fear mm-hmm. in, in somebody's eye when they finally get hit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's like I said, that's what surprised me the most was that when Jake Paul got hit, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't backing down. He knew, he, he knew that he still had more fight to go if he was going to win that fight. And he did. If it would have ended any sooner, uh, yeah, he wouldn't have won uh, the decision. But because he got those last couple of rounds in and they went his way. Yeah, and including that knockdown. That I think that big, that yep. knockdown was big because that not only, I think, solidified him to win the decision, but it also solidified in the minds of everybody that he won the fight. Yep. I mean, even Anderson at the end said he won the fight. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So now we're officially on the hot takes. <clears throat> there we go. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, first off, good okay. way to transition in. UFC bans Jake Paul <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from uh, from sporting oh, events. He can't go. There. Neither him nor his entourage are allowed into uh, live events anymore. So, what do you think about this? Now, I now I know they're the troublemakers, and anyone that fucking willingly claims to travel with an entourage is kind of a, a piece <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a troublemaker. Um, but that's not why this occurred. This occurred because Jake Paul calls Dana White out on his shit, and Dana White doesn't like Jake Paul, and this is the this is one hundred percent 
Dana White's speed. This is exactly what he does. Yeah. He, if he doesn't like you or he has something against you, he blackballs you. And so... If he feels like some personal, then he'll, you know... Yeah, this go is to these type of tactics. This is definitely personal yeah. for Dana White. So that's exactly he's, what he he's not over being petty. Okay? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. So, he is so petty. I mean, just look at the Ariel Hawani stuff, right? As long as they've had their stuff back and forth to this day. To this day. To this day. He's still the the Golden Boy promotions, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. That will never die. It's it's so funny to me. Um, and yeah, so he can't stop uh, Jake Paul from boxing. He will claim to not want to promote a, or co-promote a Jake Paul boxing match, but just wait until the money gets a- enough, and, and then he will. But he also can't stop his former UFC fighters from going in there and fighting Jake Paul. Former so, champions. Former yeah. champions. So what can he do? Well, I can ban you from UFC events. Yeah, How that'll about teach that, you. Right? Like, this guy isn't just going to do a podcast or get on YouTube and watch it and... And put you on blast that way. Like, like it on. doesn't further his narrative. Exactly. Like it doesn't further Jake Paul's exactly. push against the UFC. Exactly. Jake Paul is going at the UFC to be like, you don't pay your fighters fair. You need to do that. Fighters need to unionize, blah, 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 pushing this narrative. And then, you know, just for him doing that, just for him doing his thing and, you know, trying to excel, then the UFC does, you know, petty shit like bans him <laughs> yeah. and his, you know, and everybody that's with him yeah. from the event. So what does that do in the minds of the fans and everything? It, it it's like it's like professional wrestling. You are then becoming the heel. You're giving the rub to mm-hmm. Jake Paul. He's becoming the 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 baby face. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I mean. This is what it is. Yeah. That's the that's the the shit. So it's just like. The psychology, so it's just like, what are you doing? Like, all you're doing is helping him to fight you. Like, it's get out of your own way, dude. I know, and, and Jake Paul gets to be the one that's be like, hey, if you guys just want to cancel your UFC contract, you come and we'll get you a boxing match, and you can box me, and I'll beat you up, and we'll both make a bunch of money. And that's exactly what happens. I know, and I'll be honest with you, I really thought Anderson Silva was gonna beat the shit out of Jake Paul. I really thought that. I did too. It's crazy, still crazy. I did too. Um, yeah. Speaking of crazy, Bryce Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) You were fucking killing it with the segues today. Okay. So, Bryce Mitchell, um, I like how we put Bryce Mitchell case. I think that that sums it up, um, in more ways than one. So, Bryce Mitchell has become, you know, a darling of the media as of lately. Really out there with a lot of social media stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, on one hand, he's you know, wanting to debate Joe Rogan on the merits of flat earth and very open and advocate about flat earth and not only flat earth, but you know, that the earth is the center of the solar system or the universe. And that, uh, it's all this way because of Jesus and all those like things that we've come out of, you know, thousands of years of Whatever, whatever you want to say. No, okay. I, taking it back. He's taking it back in a lot of different ways than one. Um, but at the same time, while he's doing that, he, then he also comes out and, you know, uh, speaks openly about how, you know, O'Malley didn't win the fight against Jan. So on one hand, you're like, this dude's out there talking a bunch <laughs> of crazy shit. But then he says some stuff like that. And you're like, you know what? He's not that far out there. How, you know? how can you be so wrong about one thing and so right about another thing? <laughs> you know, what's the, the the dichotomy there is really interesting to me. I like Bryce Mitchell. Me too. Um, I like nasty. watching him fight. Yeah, yeah Thug Nasty. I, I do. I like watching him fight. I think he's a good fighter. 
Um, and and as as time goes on and social media becomes a bigger and bigger part of who these fighters are and, and any major professional athlete, um, you do. You, you start to find out more and more about these people and I'm and for me I'm just like can I just want to keep it in the octagon I really do <laughs> I really do because it makes it difficult like it makes me think that that you're gonna have problems you know in other areas and it might even affect how you fight if you're willing to take something like that to the level that you are you know it, it absolutely could I, I it's hard for me as a person to see you reconciling the flat earth theory with uh, other parts of reality that might be important to you in your quest to win a title. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you do bring up a good point there. I think once again, we got to uh, stop and assess like, okay, as much admiration and respect as we pay to the people that put their bodies and lives and minds on the line for the enjoyment of the sport and for the entertainment Y'all, they all got to be a little bit crazy, right? Y'all got to be a little bit crazy to go in there and do that. Not only to do it, but then to also that lifestyle, it's very right. selfish. Right. It takes away from the families and You're all right. the rest of that. So, I mean, we all know on some level that you have to be a little crazy to do it. For me, what I, for me, how I see it is like the mind is chaotic. It's just, it, it is, that's part of being human. You know, we all have... Um, imperfections and stuff that we have to work on. And so with somebody like Bryce Mitchell coming out and doing this, I mean, if the UFC will prevent fighters from dressing the way they want to dress and (laughs) marketing themselves the way they want to market and be the kind of person that they want to be, if they want to go on social media and make a persona (laughs) that's either a funk master persona or, you know, flat earther or whatever, if you want to do whatever, I mean, just, I mean, that's what the, the sport is there as a, you know, creative outlet as well as the art of mixed of mixed martial arts. Like it's, it's both of those things. And when they try to sanitize from the corporate, you know, uh, shell of it and be like, no, you know, all the fighter kits need to be the same. Everybody needs to look the same. All the rest of that, just like how corporate sanitation always does. I can't help but advocate for people to do whatever it is that they need to do to find that outlet to be creative (laughs) and be different and stuff because they are because let your freak flag fly man because yeah because when we (laughs) because when it was you know back in the earlier days and they didn't have near the sponsorship and condom depot on the ass was the biggest (laughs) sponsorship of fighters i mean you had Fighters wearing ice trunks, fighters wearing fire trunks, fighters coming out doing crazy, you know, entrances, mm-hmm. fighters coming out with uh, flags that had all the world flags on it, talking about we are one. I mean, there were, it was different. It was a different time because they didn't have trying to market it and, and sanitize it every way they could. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah, so for me, I see, I see what you're saying. And there could possibly, all of that could be, could be true, could be, but at the same time, you got to be a little crazy to do it. He's just showing his crazy. Some of these guys probably are just as crazy, if not more crazy, and they're just not showing it. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe a fighter, you know, I don't know, like kicks dogs when he's not. <laughs> when he's not I mean, we, you don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Okay? But Bryce Mitchell's out there, you know, talking about <clears throat> Jesus and 
how Earth's the center of the universe and stuff, and like, God bless him. Okay, right? well, if given the choice between those two, I'll take the flat Earther any day of the week. Okay, um, but um, but yeah, it, it real, real interesting. Very, very <laughs> yeah, much yeah. is real, real good. Hot take. I'm yeah, glad we got to go through that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh, I do want to bring up that I I'm pretty sure it's official. He's going to be fighting Elia Topuria. Oh, really? On one of the next uh, nice. fight cards coming up. And I'm super Man, stoked for that fight. That's going to be a great fight. Because Ilya is one of my prospects yeah. to be challenging for a title here before too Dude, long. Dude, okay, okay, you're right, and he is a prospect. But before that, I want to see him fight fucking Patty. Yeah. Dude, I want to see that. I mean, yes I mean ever since that whole shit happened and fucking... He, you know, Patty looked shook when he fucking got him and was questioning him about the shit. I'm like... No, I I think he'd beat Patty. That's no, I me too. That's why no, I don't want to see that. Fight. I know, and I know, I know, and not that I'm a, not that I'm, you know, not that I'm a, uh, like I'm not a fan of of Patty or whatever. Not like I'm trying to see him get taken out, but at the same time, you go and you talk shit, <laughs> yeah, and then a guy comes up and steps to you. And you got all this hype behind you, and you're looking all brand new. And then later on, he's playing it off like, oh, well, he's lucky that blah, blah, blah. And I threw it, and he, and, you know, once again, talking more shit on top of it. Then I'm like, dude, let's just see the fucking fight. Like, you know, I if know. you're not even going to live halfway in reality, then I'm like, let's see it. <laughs> I I, that's the one thing I do love about this sport is that uh, for all the shit talking that you get, a lot of times you get to see these people get in the ring together and back that shit up. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So yeah, so no, that's that's uh, I would love to see that fight, you know, uh, Tapuria versus Thug Nasty. That'd be a great fight. So we'll have to see if that ends up happening. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Hamzat Abu Bakar incident. <laughs> okay, I believe it was at UFC 280, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. And 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 this is kind of um, Kamzat's thing. Like he doesn't bow to anybody he doesn't really have a lot of respect for anybody he just kind of goes around and talks he smashed everybody people around he smashed everybody (laughs) okay um i i get it (laughs) but but the 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 craziest thing for me was knowing uh, i know i know who comes that is he i know his um mo this is this is what he does you know he's around a bunch of other animals and he wants to be the alpha animal so that's the way he's gotta he's gotta act what blew my mind was when I get online and I see this video with Khabib and Abubakar and Kamzat and everyone's chill. And there video. was other, there, there was more of the Dagestani force they there were all, too. The whole the, yeah, the whole Dagestani entourage was there. But it was so funny to me that that for Khabib, Kamzat would be chill and not be like a, a just a crazy animal like i don't know how could be pulled that off you don't i don't because I, I get i, I get comes origins but he represents the swedish flag and chechnya and yeah exactly and i mean and what and even though it's a state outside of russia still part of russia whatever you're right so i don't know this to be fact but let me give my own viewpoint of how I seen it. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, you're dealing with people from the same part of the world that understand each other, that also understand that here in the Western part of the world, there is a lot of narrative to push them as the bad guys. The people from Russia, Russians, 
uh, people that are Muslim. Those get a lot of push here. Watch as a being, Rocky movie. They're always the bad guys. I mean, since the 80s, <laughs> the Cold War, before that, capitalism versus communism, whatever, all that. So all of that plays into it. So then you have people that make it out of the country and make it to a world stage. And then maybe something happens and it looks like they're going to start fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. You have somebody like Habib who sees all this, who understands a lot more of, you know, that whole scope of what he's looking at. So he goes to them and he's like, brother, like we all Muslim, we all Russian, we all come from, you know, the same area. They don't want to see us win. They don't want to see us at the top. We don't need to fight each other. We already have to fight the world and the West and everything like that. Even if we have to fight each other, we do it behind doors. We don't let the world see because the world, especially the Western world, would love to have that turn turn them against each other for our own benefit and have them fight each other for it. Habib's smart, and that's what he sees it as, and so he's able to talk with them and be like, hey, look, let's not hurt our position here for our people, for our religion, for all the rest of that, because there's already a lot against that. Let's just show faith. Show face, go out there, hold hands, sing kumbaya <laughs> for the cameras. Kamzat did not look comfortable. With he, that no, video. he didn't. No, it wasn't that he wanted to do it, but at the same time, he understands too that just, just, just like what happened, where everybody was cheering for him, and then he lost weight, and how everybody was, was so ready to throw him under the bus as that, you know, as the bad guy that ruined it all and all the rest of it. I mean, if even more so, he's like, yeah, like I, like I see that. That's that's my own viewpoint. I don't know that to be the case. I'm just saying that's what would make sense to me. And, and I and I think you're right. But again, it was just such a stark contrast to the behavior I'm used to seeing from Kamzat to see him like that in this video. This is a guy who doesn't even hang out with his Dagestani brethren or his Chechenian brethren. He hangs out with Darren Till. Yeah. And he hangs out with all these other dudes. And he's completely happy being the bad guy. He's completely happy being the heel and starting shit wherever he goes. Exactly. That, yeah, I was just like... And, and as like, long, what and as, long as... No, exactly. And as long as the spotlight is on him and him individually, I don't think he has a problem with that. But I think that, you know... If, if it does, if they do try to play it into something that's more than just Hamza being the wolf, just Hamza being the bad guy, you know, I think that I think he's a lot more willing to negotiate and fill that out because just as much as we see that from him and that's the kind of persona that he portrays, I know you've seen, like I've seen, that there's more there's more layers to Hamza than that. Sure. There's the whole thing where not only has he been friends with Till and a lot of us, uh, uh, you know, other training partners, he's come out and said that, you know, like with Whitaker, he has nothing but respect for Whitaker. He doesn't necessarily want to fight Whitaker. He wants to train with Whitaker. Whitaker was like, oh, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to have yeah, that train. Of course train. he doesn't want to fight Whitaker. Ex- Whitaker <laughs> and Whitaker was like, I loved it, training and us being training partners and the rest of that. And and there was other there's other scenarios of... Maybe guys that, like, would be easily beat up and Hamzat, like, you know, going and and sticking up for him and that sort of thing. Like, the dude has a heart. He just believes that that that's not the way to gain momentum in the fight world. And then the fight world, you have to be the caged animal. The more you can be, 
the crazed caged animal, the more hype, the more everybody wants to either see you win or see you lose or the rest of it. So I think that he understands that and he plays that persona. But underneath that, you do have a guy that, you know, it loves his mom, respects <laughs> his mom, doesn't want to keep fighting because of his mom. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, there are layers to Hamzat that ones that he chooses to show us and ones that he doesn't. And so I'm sure that when it comes to, yeah, and so (laughs) when I'm sure when it comes to, you know, country and religion and and showcasing that and the rest of that, I'm sure that I'm sure they were able to talk him into standing for that picture all, you know, disgruntledly. So, yeah. So, yeah. But at the same time, with with that whole scenario, well, we've come. What's come out since then is he's taken a lot of shots at, you know, fighters like Masvidal and Covington, and uh, so it looks like he's going back to 170. Is what it looks like. Yeah, and, and I, I feel like we called this on one of our previous episodes. Like, you know, Dana White and the UFC, they can say whatever they feel like they need to to save face whenever something like that happens that causes a debacle. But, um, but we know better. Yeah. We know exactly what the plan is, and the plan is to get Kamzat his champ champ status, and this is this is how you're going to do it. You're going to do it at the lower weight class first, then you're going to move up to the higher weight class to do it. If you take fights at both weight classes in between, it's not it's not a huge deal. It only benefits you. But yes, he knows the path that he needs to take to get that 170 belt. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I would love to see the Covington matchup. I Me really too. would. Me uh, too. That's a matchup I really want to see. Um, but depending on how the Leon Edwards Kamaru Usman rematch shakes out, um, I'm ready to see him fight for a 170 pound title. I mean, the win over Gilbert Burns was was enough for me. Gilbert Burns was ranked number three. Yeah, you beat the number three guy. What did we need? What else did we need from you? That was it. And then of course maybe he's taking the fight because. Leon and Usman are doing the rematch, and I, I get that. Um, but why not take a fight at 185? I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, uh, very good point. I can't really call it. Um, I would like to see him fight Covington. I think that that fight stylistically, both wrestlers, different styles of wrestling, really would like to see how that Covington's shown that his striking's come a long way. Super durable. Hamzat. Pretty good striking, pretty excellent. You know, I, I mean, amazing wrestling. Would love to see how that would play out. Um, Masvidal. Did I, I say Masvidal twice? No, no, you said Covington first. Yeah. Masvidal's not. A no, 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 no. I, I think that he would just ragdoll Masvidal down yeah, to the ground absolutely. and just punish him there. Absolutely. So, I mean, on the standing up, maybe it would be a closer fight, but that's not what we would see. No. Um, as far as versus the the champion I would favor Hamzat against Leon. I think that his wrestling, I think his striking is good enough to stand toe to toe with Leon. Um if fighters like Nate Diaz and some other fighters were able to, I think that Hamzat definitely could and I think that his ground game would give Leon a big problem. So yeah, I yeah, would favor I would favor Hamzat in that fight. The Usman fight. That's a lot closer of a fight for me. Um, Styles make fights, right? Yeah, exactly. And and when I look at Hamzat at 170, 
he's got to be one of the most powerful guys at the weight class. I, I mean, yes, he has skill. I'm not taking that away, but a lot of these guys have skills. A lot of these guys have good wrestling skills. What he has above everybody else, because he could compete at 185 better than the other ones, is he, he's, he's an extremely powerful person, which is why I would agree with you. I think that Usman matchup is one of the more intriguing ones mm-hmm. because Usman's also very powerful. Yeah. And Usman may not be the most technical striker either, but he can strike with power. No. So I do think that would be an interesting matchup to see. And both are very strong in different different ways of being strong. Mm-hmm. There's different levels of different kinds of strength, but they're both very strong. They both have explosive power. They both have heavy wrestling, different styles of wrestling, mm-hmm. but still... I would be very interested to see that fight just as much. If I think I'd be more interested to see him face Usman than I would to be him to face Covington. Now, because Usman just lost by knockout, I really want to see him face Covington because Covington hasn't like had that yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that Hamzat might be able to do that. So I really like, like that matchup but i think that if we were just looking at it from a landscape stylistically i think that like usman would be a really tough fight for him and leon would probably be a lot easier of a fight so i mean if leon is to win that match not that not that he can't just if he does win the match against usman and they want to give hamzat the chance i mean it's murderer's row for leon edwards i'm just saying he did he won the fight against usman and knocked him out up until that he wasn't winning the he fight. He was not winning that fight. I mean, but, I mean, once again, we got the fucking Aljo versus Jan where he was losing that fight up until the knee, and then after that, he, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, we've seen some crazy shit, so, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to count him out, but I'm just saying, Leon Edwards, as a champion, has, uh, has, has a long road ahead of him. Yeah, so. I, I can I completely agree. But, I mean, especially with who's up and coming right now at that weight class, that's, yeah, I, I no matter who in, ends up, with the belt, I don't see him ending up with it for a long period of time. Yeah, but it is crazy how, uh, you know, he can miss weight by such a <laughs> higher a high amount and everything, they have to switch up a whole card and everything else like that happens. And now, literally, he, they're like, okay, we're going to let him do 170. And they're just totally pushing that like it's not even a problem. Like, I don't even know if he can make 170 again. You know, I don't know. No, I mean, maybe. No, that's but, a legitimate concern. Missing weight by that much, that's a legitimate concern. What's funny is, you know, the way a lot of our social media has changed our, um, the way we remember events mm-hmm. in recent history is that people people forget about that kind of stuff. That's true. Like, you know, you that's fight true. every three to six months, you know, six months later, no one's even going to remember. Yeah that you blew weight like that. Yep. But is this indicative of a larger concern, which is, are you are you just too big for 170? Like, you might be, Yeah, man. exactly. I mean, there are fighters like that that can make weight at one, you know, at a certain time. We've talked about it before. Anthony jo- uh, Johnson, mm-hmm. um, other fighters, that they can make a certain... As long as they continue making that weight, they'll continue to cut it and they'll continue to kill themselves. Maybe even Conor McGregor with featherweight, yeah. where they can continue to do it for a certain time. But as soon as they push out past that, it's really hard for the body to come back to do that again. Yep. You know? And yep. as time goes on and gets older, it becomes fucking impossible, yep. damn near. Yep. So, I mean, who knows? Have we passed that threshold yet or not? I it's hard for me to say, but I do have concerns about it. So before we get all like into 170 and the rest of it, we're going to have to see how he does with his next fight. Yep, I agree. 
speaking of UFC banning shit, they decided to ban the fighters from being able to bet on themselves. <laughs> so how do you see this? <clears throat> yeah, I, this was um, really surprising news to me because I thought that was already... Like, I, I honestly thought in the world of professional sports and of any organization, you were already legally not allowed to bet on yourself or the team that you played for. I literally thought that was a thing. I didn't, I didn't think tennis players were allowed to bet on themselves. I didn't think that... I didn't even think they were allowed to bet on their matches because... I mean, morally, you're probably right, but... No, legally? I honestly thought those were legal. And, and this is this may, may be my naivety coming out, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought that I thought it was already rules. So when you told me that, I was like, "Damn, how long have they been letting UFC fighters bet on their own fights?" Well, I mean, that's fucking interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously there was that case, Bang versus someone else, where they knew that there was going to be a fight throw, and then the fighters bet against themselves. When the UFC caught wind of it, based on the betting lines and the rest of it, they pulled the fight, and then they questioned him and he ended up confirming it and so and talking about fights being fixed the rest of it that goes back as old as ancient times and is definitely involved in mma definitely in the japanese sense of mma i mean a lot of those early pride fights were fucking professional wrestling matches anyways right um i digress the thing is is that with this scenario while i agree with you that from a, at least from a moral or ethical standpoint, that it sh- should be, you know, uh, frowned upon. <laughs> I don't know how you can continually make independent contractors follow all these rules. More more, you have, you know, independent contractors who are hired to do a job. That's it. They're hired to do that job. That's it. How can you put these stipulations on them like their employees, without giving them the benefits that employees would get, which would be health insurance. Yeah. Kind of gets into this convoluted area. Every time the UFC does shit like this, where I'm like, okay, so what is it then? It's half dozen of one, dozen of the other. What are we doing? No, you're right. Um, You're right. And, And if we hadn't already seen them get away with some super nefarious shit in the past... Um, I, that's the next question I would ask. Man, how did they get away with this? But boy, this, this some of the contract stipulations they've already forced fighters into with that history. That's that's actually not so surprising to me. What I'm trying to think of honestly though is how betting on your own fights benefits you, right? Because the only way it benefits you, it doesn't benefit you to bet on yourself because there's no guarantee you're gonna yeah. win. Right? Unless you know you're going to lose, and then you bet on the other guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. So unless you know you're going to win, then everyone knows you're going to win, and then the it's not prohibit it's it's not beneficial yeah. to bet on you because the odds are so in your favor it's not beneficial. So the only way it works is if you bet on your opponent mm-hmm. because you're you know they're a three or four to one underdog, and then you take a dive, right? Um, and let's be honest, this doesn't solve shit. Them passing this just, I think, adds more convolutedness to whether or not they're actual employees or whether or not they're independent contractors. Because, like, let's say you're a fighter. Just because you can't bet anymore, and even though legally you can't have anyone bet for you, 
how the fuck are they going to prove that you don't get me to go oh, fucking no, back? There's no way to enforce Do you see that. what I'm saying? Yeah, there's no way to enforce that. I mean, that. that's what I'm saying. So, so last year's <clears throat> last year's Super Bowl, did mm-hmm. you not hear about that? Uh-huh. So there's all sorts of prop bets uh-huh. <clears throat> on uh, on any given um, Super Bowl, and I don't really want to get up on a huge tangent, but um, so this guy goes to Vegas and puts thousands of dollars down on the prop that there's going to be a streaker that makes it on TV. <laughs> now, that the, not just a streaker, but that the streaker will make it on TV. Um, and then so what he does is that he goes and he gets his buddy to be the first streaker, so all of the Go se- security him. goes after him. And as soon as all the security goes after him, he takes off all of his clothes, he gets right on camera, and he streaks across the field, and he, he makes like 70 grand. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds like capitalism to me. So <laughs> this I, is capitalism <laughs> in its best right there. This is why gambling is so great it for re- our country, ladies and it, gentlemen. It really is capitalism <laughs> at its finest because it's realistically about trying to f- figure out how to fuck the market over for your own advantage. But you don't end up causing a lot of devastation and suffering for people to do it. You just end up fucking the rich people that usually fuck everyone else out. So, yeah. I mean, that's in my scenario. Yeah, that's probably the best case. But, uh, <laughs> okay. but yeah, interesting. I yeah. did not know that. So thanks for uh, mm-hmm. enlightening me. Um, you know, speaking of regulatory bodies and commissions, the Florida Commission um, put a halt or shut down Dada 5000 from having a bare knuckle match recently um, based on his last fight, which was against Kimbo Slice from years ago. Rest in peace, Kimbo Slice for uh, allegedly having a heart attack or heart failure or organ failure or whatever the fuck happened in that fight, uh, that fucking awful-ass, boring fucking fight. Yeah. Yeah. Far be it from me to try to prevent somebody from making a living Mm -hmm. with their skill set, right? However, any responsible commission is going to have to, in the back of their mind, know that they don't want to be the ones that sanctioned the first death in the sport. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I know. Like, how bad is that going to be? So it, the risk-reward scenario for any of these commissions, you have to shut that down. Y- you do. And, and like, like I said, I really hope that there's a way that Dada 5000 can use his popularity or his name or his skill set to make money. Um, but... I don't think it should be in the ring, and I'm glad that they did not sanction him for a bare-knuckle boxing fight. Yeah, I mean, I also, I think that it's very legitimate, regardless of the actual medical history, because a fight can be as awful as that, and then they can claim, oh, but both fighters had to go to the hospital and so much to kind of sell the just awfulness of the fight. Um, I wouldn't put it past any promotion to do that. So what, as far as what really happened medically, I never seen the records. I don't fucking know, but if that's the narrative you end up using and you end up promoting, then if you end up deciding later on to fight, you have to cross that bridge when you get there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And you know, hats off to Florida because not only that, but recently, uh, maybe a a month or two back, um, they prevented, uh, Melvin Giard from taking a fight, um, I believe it was a bare knuckle fight as well, um, but uh, they prevented him because I think he has like fucking ten losses or twelve <coughs> losses or something crazy in yeah, a row and a bunch of knockouts and shit. Yeah, it's bad. And so, and it's to prevent the fighter from you know any more uh, brain damage. Really, um, the thing about it though, 
you know, why I was surprised is because it was Florida. You know, I thought <laughs> I was thinking the same you know, thing. Was, I was like, damn, Florida I, didn't let I him? guarantee that's but, exactly what he was thinking when yeah. he was like, what state can I get to? I'll bet Florida will do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, know? Florida's shutting you up. Then I mean, it's, I mean, you're looking at Alabama and Mississippi. <laughs> Those are the only two that are still going to, you know, you got to get back to the illegal days to oh, get that going. So, yeah, no, um, I guess hats off to Florida. I don't fucking know. Um, we talked a little bit about Volkanovsky earlier, maybe getting the shot against uh, Islam. But recently, Volkanovsky came out and said that if he beats Islam for the 155 pound title, that Connor will then make, will come out of retirement. Uh, not that he's in retirement, not that he's fighting, whatever the fuck he's doing, um, that he will make, insert himself into the title pitcher for, for a challenge. So, um, so it was Volk saying that he would like to fight Connor. So that's exactly how I read that because, okay. okay. Volkanovski has beat. Has he beat Aldo? I think he has. Yes, yes, yeah. he has a win. It was kind so, of a boring decision. Yeah, but yes, exactly. He beat Aldo. So yeah. he's beat all the former featherweight champions. Yep. Except, except for, Connor. for Connor. And to get Connor to actually fight, especially given his last performances have been beyond subpar. <laughs> I mean, dude literally yeah. is falling apart in the in the octagon now. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really hard to do that. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? So he says, I'm the undersized fighter. He, it's like dangling the carrot out there. Like, I'm the featherweight fighter now going up for it. I think that Connor's going to come up. He's basically, like, to me, saying, to, to like, basically how I take it is Volkanovski's telling Connor, hey, if I win this title, why don't you come find me for the 155-pound title? Because gotcha. he knows gotcha. that Connor's not going to fight him for 145 pounds because <clears throat> no. he's not going to make that fucking no, weight. No, no. Connor will never so make 145 So the only way again. he's going to get that fight that he really wants to beat all the featherweight champions is maybe if he has a golden carrot to dangle in front so of Connor. He starts playing mind games with Connor, which yeah. you can do. And we all know that the UFC will give Connor pretty much whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> they have no problem putting him in to a lightweight title fight without a lightweight title, without a lightweight win, without a win, <laughs> without in, fucking. In I mean, six years. Jesus, since Donald Cerrone, who's fucking long retired, that and was one seventy. Well, okay, so if we're talking one fifty-five, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Dude, I don't even know. When he got the belt from Alvarez, was the last time he won at one fifty-five. Yeah. Was that after Diaz too? Oh, that was at 170 that as well. That was 172. Huh? And even then, it was like, I don't know if he won that fight. Exactly. Exactly. No, this is what I'm saying. Um, and, Jesus, and yeah, so they'll, they'll give him, yeah, so they'll give him whatever he wants. And yeah, I, I, I hadn't actually thought about Volk wanting to, you know, play featherweight champ bingo. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just because it's a big, anytime you fight Connor, it's usually a pretty big payday. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's what Volk might be going for, but you're right for his legacy. It probably does make more sense to be checking off these former 145 pound champs. No, he wants to be considered the greatest featherweight champion of all time. And if you can't do that from a win streak, like Aldo who pretty much holds the title now based on all those years mm -hmm. of being undefeated, what's the next best thing you can do beat every other former featherweight champion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Bellator versus Ryzen. New Year's Eve show. Really psyched about that. 
um, just got recently announced. And uh, so it's going to be um, New Year's Eve. Um, reminds me of the glory years of uh, Chinese MMA or Chinese. And Jesus. it's at the Saitama Super Ch- yes, Arena. Yes, yes. Japanese MMA um, at the Saitama Super Arena. Uh, you know, not only MMA in Japan, but K1 events, mm-hmm. um, Inaki Bumbaye, mm. Sengoku, all these different events that would happen around New Year's Eve and have the big New Year's Eve send off into the new year where they would get all different fighters to fight and champions of different divisions or have promotion champions fight promotion champions. And the fact that we're in 2022 headed into 2023 and they're going to do this again. I'm just really psyched up about it. So, yeah, it is. It's super exciting news. Um, he's got the <clears throat> the tentative fight card right here, and um, AJ McKee, Roberto De Souza. Great fight. Um, love AJ McKee. I think mm-hmm. he's one of the better fighters pound for pound right now. That should be an excellent fight. Yep. Um, we had talked about Kleber Herbst earlier. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fighting Patricio Ferreri. Yep. Um, again, should be another excellent fight. Champion Great versus featherweight champion. fight, right? Yep. And that's what that's one of the awesome things about these Bellator and Rising Cross promotion cards is champ versus champ. Yep. Like who doesn't like first of all, who doesn't like saying champ versus champ, right? But it just it, it adds so much more to any fight that you're seeing for both of these men to come in with the belt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or any fighters to yeah. come in with the belt. And no, exactly. And the thing that I love about the Ryzen Bellator relationship is that when they say it's champ versus champ, now, if other promotions were having a champ versus champ, you would sort of understand, okay, they are champions. Whoever wins, they will still be champions of their own promotion. But with Bellator and, and Ryzen, they're so closely related that whoever wins gets the fuck gets both <laughs> yeah, fucking belts, yeah, yeah. and then they're gonna maybe yeah. have a, a fight in Bellator or a fight in Ryzen, and then they'll have another one, and they'll 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 play for play with it for a little while until it gets to be hazardous to the promotion, <laughs> yeah. and then they'll take the title back. Yeah. But they'll let it go for a little while, so you'll get to see maybe a fighter from Bellator fighting in Ryzen on a Ryzen card, or, or vice versa, a Ryzen. Uh, champion now in bellator as a bellator champion fighting other bellator fighters love I, that i do I, I love it i'm i'm excited i i, I love that whole cross promotion thing i yeah. really do yeah and a chance to watch horaguchi fight yep. legend living legend yep um not familiar with the guy he's fighting but maybe that's a good thing because maybe he'll go in there and whoop his ass and i'd love to see horaguchi go out there and whoop somebody's ass yeah it looks like, at least from the record, that it, it's so, sort of comparable. Sometimes they have Horiguchi fight these people that are, like, 15 and 17, <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, dude. You know? I know, so, I know. But at least you get to be in there with a legend like Horiguchi. I man. know, I know, I know. That's true, that's true. Um, yeah, and then the last hot take of the show was Mark Hunt picking up a dub. On his last uh, fight, he had a boxing fight. I believe it was last weekend. Some independent promotion in Australia fought a uh, guy, Smiley, Smiley Bob Williams, that Smiley Bill Williams, Smiley Bill Williams. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know, but hey, <laughs> hats off to Mark Hunt. What a fucking career! What a legend! I mean, just the fuck the fights in pride. The 
K1 former champion, going so to the UFC, fighting in the UFC, his wars with Bigfoot oh, Silva. Man. I mean, the dude, I, I mean, know, I and then fucking going and fighting Brock Lesnar and then that whole debacle and going through it with the UFC. About, I mean, and such such a legend. Super, super legend. And that's and I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was, that, that's where I was going to go is for as many MMA fights as this guy has. This guy was a K1 Grand Prix champion. Like, this this guy has pretty much done it all. Yeah. Um, in so many different organizations and, and done it well. I mean, he he might have even had a losing MMA record before he came over to the UFC. I don't even... Th- I'm, I actually remember some of the behind-the-scenes stories of when contracts were bought out when they brought these fighters over and... And Hunt refused. Yeah, they tried to. They tried to pay pay. They him. didn't want Hunt. They had gotten yeah. all these fighters, and yep. they didn't want Hunt. Yeah, and he wanted his chance in the UFC. And he's and he. I'm so glad that he got it because he he came in and he, he lost in. to Sean McCorkle by submission. <laughs> he won some good fights, and he even put up a really good fight against JDS at the time, <sighs> who was the best heavyweight in the and UFC. And JDS at that won time. with that fucking spinning heel kick. That, that was, was fucking a, crazy. But, but that was such an awesome fight. And, it he, was. and Mark Hunt had so many great walk-off knockouts yep. in his tenure heavyweight in yep. the UFC. Um, first person I've ever seen face plant Roy Nelson. Yep. Like, that yep. was devastating. Yeah, it was devastating. Uh, I remember when he fought Chris Texture. Tushera? 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 Yep. I know who you're talking about. The Brock Lesnar <laughs> training uh-huh. dude. He fucking one-punch knocked that dude yep. out, and that dude never fought again never in the UFC. Never fought again. It was awesome. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I am a big Mark Hunt fan um, mm. for a long time. I remember watching him fight in Dream, lose by submission to Musasi, then to come to the UFC, lose by submission to Sean McCorkle, just to then fight his way back to the top, knock out a bunch of motherfuckers and fight uh Verdum for the title. Yeah. And yep. he lost, but he, he got to a title he shot did. in the UFC. He was a, he you know, so I mean and and yeah, and I mean I remember my first introduction to Mark Hunt was when he went into Pride and fought Manderley Silva cuz I was just like, who how do they have this fucking big dude coming into fucking Pride to fight Vanderlei Silva? Right. Like this dude's about to get fucking chopped <laughs> up. Like, there's no way. And what did he do? He ended up beating him by, like, sitting on him and fucking, you know, not out yeah, and know, pushing him around know, and shit. I, I mean, I was just like, wow. So, like, nah, Mark Hunt, you know. I, I think the first time I took notice of Mark Hunt was when he took the left high kick from Mirko. And, at, you know, at that point in time, people literally almost died mm-hmm. when they took the left high kick from Mirko Krokop. And so I remember this battle going down. He's, you know, it was prob it was probably pride, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, you know, they're in the ring, and I'm just counting down the seconds before this big dude gets knocked the fuck out, not knowing of his history in K1. And I see Mirko unleash it, and he wraps his shin around Mark Hunt's head, and it's like nothing. It's like no. <laughs> he just he did some smiles. Yep. And I was like, who the is this guy which was yeah which is amazing because yeah because he did he'd have fights like that like against bigfoot where you take lots and lots of punishment and stand in there and just you know weather the punishment like it was nothing um but then he'd have fights against like melvin manhoff and just get fucking knocked out quick you know so it's like but that's the thing about it that's that's why you love mark hunt because like he went in there he fought anybody he fought in all the promotions 
he was a champ and a challenger and all the rest of it. And even then, even after all that, you know, he wouldn't let, you know, the UFC push him around when they tried to, I mean, literally it was so bad the way they brought Brock, Brock Lesnar mm. in, let him skip past all the fucking drug testing, even though they, they tested him and they knew he was fucking mm. high. They still pushed him in there and got him to fight. And he, he won a boring ass fight against Mark Hunt at UFC 200. But even after that, Mark was like, still like, he's like, I'm not going to let it go. And he was still like, you know, sounding the alarm and doing his thing to, you know, fight against it because it was bullshit. And nobody and everybody else knew it was fucking bullshit. But everybody else was just like, "Eh, whatever, you know, because we were all sort of, um, you know, partly to blame since we all were like, oh, we want to see it. Because a lot of us either thought that wanted there was people that wanted to see Brock Lesnar come back. And then there were people that wanted to see Mark Hunt knock out Brock Lesnar. I wanted to see him knock out Brock Lesnar. Exactly. So, and <laughs> so did. we were all sort of, you know, however you looked at that, we were all sort of part of it. But I'm just saying, what a great, great career. Fucking showing that the fucking big boys can get in there and still fucking throw down with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's nothing but Mark love Hunt, for man. Mark Hunt. So I'm really glad to see him go out with a dub. Thanks for the memories, man. Let's uh let's talk about a couple of uh fights that we want to shed some light on. Big fight that was announced for UFC 282 is uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Robbie Lawler. Um really really excited for this fight. Think both fighters are at the perfect time to be fighting each other. I think that stylistically there's a lot there on the table um you know both heavy strikers i mean i'm i'm super excited big robbie lawler fan yeah but still really a fan of ponzinibbio too and i just think that i think the best the thing that i like the most about this fight is that i want to see fighters like robbie lawler still get in there but i want to i don't want them to have to like you know, just go in there to get demolished because that's not what you want to see, especially somebody who has such a tenure like fucking Robbie Lawler and champion and shit. I love the matchmaking. I think both fighters are going to go in there and throw caution to the wind. I think that they both trained out of American top team at the same time, relatively the same time, probably the same time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they probably have some history together. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm hoping it, because of that history, I'm hoping it's not a glorified sparring match. That's true. Um, <clears throat> but knowing these two, they probably don't know how to do that. Like, that's just kind of how they fight. Um, I'm, I'm excited for it, too. Yeah, they've both kind of been on a skid. Um, Robbie Lawler was looking good before Barbarina started cashing in. Um, so I was kind of bummed to see that. But, uh, yeah, it should be a good fight. I'm excited for it. Exactly. Um, and then we got... Costa versus Whitaker. So what do you think about that? So um, currently active fighters, Whitaker is my favorite. He is my favorite currently active fighter in any weight class, in any organization. Um, He's an amazing fighter. He's extremely talented. He's such a great such a great fighter and such a great personality out, outside of the Octagon. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that, um, I'm hoping Costa shows up. I'm hoping Costa makes weight. <laughs> no, 
And I'm open. You're asking for a lot. I, I know. I know that. that's asking a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping that he gets in there and he gets a, a taste of Whitaker because I think Whitaker's going to put it on him, and I think that's going to be a bad night for Costa, man. I definitely agree. Um, I think that you said it best when we talked about this earlier, and you said. I doubt that that fight's ever going to happen. <laughs> I really, I doubt it too. But at the same time, if it does, I definitely heavily favor Whitaker. I usually don't put money on fights, but you know, if I can get in early enough when or at a time when it's would make right. sense, yeah. I would fucking be all over that. Yeah. Um, Costa, you know, looks like a shell of his former self from the Terminator that he used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in the fight versus Rockhold. In the last fight, Rockhold was, like, pretty much not even there. Yet, he couldn't put Rockhold away, and he let Rockhold continue to find his spots to continue to keep the fight going. I mean, all that just looked bad to me for Costa, Mm -hmm. who's supposed to be a legitimate high end of of the middleweight division. So, yeah, I mean... Realistically, the only thing that I really see with this fight is if it does end up happening, Whitaker's going to get the dub and it's going to be even closer to Whitaker getting another title shot. I guess whatever happens this weekend at UFC 281 is going to reveal of whether it would be the third fight, which I, I would be interested to see. I'm not saying that I wouldn't because I think that you know, every version that we've seen of that fight has been a different version. And I think that if we had it again, Adesanya versus Whitaker, I think that it would be another version. So I'd be interested to see it. But, um, if, uh, Alex pulls out the dub, I mean, I'm, I think that that fight, if, if he, especially if he like knocks out Adesanya, I mean, then we're talking like, you know, skill, yeah. high end versus <clears throat> power, high end. I mean, we're talking like fucking major, major shit could happen. So it's a real exciting time for that division right now. Um, so I, I think Whitaker won the last Adesanya fight. Um, <clears throat> you know, not something I want to get into at great length here, but for so many of these rounds where strikes were equal, somebody was landing punches to the face, the other one was landing leg kicks. Mm and they gave it to the guy who was landing leg kicks. Mm. So whatever strike you feel like is more significant, a punch to the face or... Causing more damage. Yeah, or or kick to the leg, you know, you can... It is is what it is. So I'm a little bit more excited for a a third fight between Adesanya and Whitaker than maybe most people are because I know how well he did um, in the second fight there. But yes, we do have a lot of hurdles before Costa gets in the ring. He has a history of not making weight. He's currently not happy with his contract situation. So we'll see. I, I'd like to see that fight go down, but um, but we'll see. Yeah, exactly. But that does bring us to the preview for this weekend, UFC 281. Gigantic fucking card. <laughs> um, maybe even more stacked than 280. Man, as excited maybe. as we were for 280, I'm looking at 281 right now and... They are just names top to bottom on this thing, yeah. man. So let's go ahead and get this started. Um, yeah, I'm gonna let you pick. Where do you wanna? <clears throat> where do you wanna begin with this? All right, early prelims. ESPN Plus. Um, uh, Julio Arce, Montel Jackson, Bantamweight. Not that any of these guys are necessarily like championship prospects, 
Both of these guys are exciting fighters. 100%. They both bring it. Bantamweight is a great weight class for mm-hmm. these types of scraps. Yep. That is going to be a barn burner, man. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Trezano and Choi Sung Woo. Yeah. I mean, that's a great yep. fight. Both of those guys, a um, lot yeah. of will to win. I'm really excited to see how that would play out. Um, I love Carolina Kovacavich. Me too. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see her get another win. Um, I think I would probably favor Juarez a little bit more in the fight. But at the same time, I mean, anything could happen. Carolina had a good run <clears throat> for a bit there, and she even got a title shot, I think. Yep. Um, but then has kind of been um, on, on a downward path. I, I, I agree. I would really like to see her recapture some of that. Yeah. Um, spark that got her. Maybe her get a couple wins. of wins, fight somebody like, uh, you know, um, a Rose maybe or somebody like that, somebody mm-hmm. at the higher end, you know, maybe yep. get one more good push. I, I'd really love to see Me that. Too. Andre Petrosky versus Wellington Thurman. I mean, that is going to be a sick fight. <clears throat> Andre Petrosky is a tough alum, right? He came from the Ultimate Fighter. Yep. Um, I wasn't super impressed while he was on the show. However, he's fought actually fairly regularly since coming off the show. No, he has. Probably the most regular out of all the other contenders from it. And, I mean, he might even have three since he's already since he's come off, and he has improved every time I've seen him out. Exactly. He's looking better and better and better. I fully expect him to take out Wellington Terman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that I would say the same thing for Wellington. I, I mean, I don't know if he was on an, an Ultimate Fighter. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But every performance that I've seen from this guy, he's gotten better and better, too. And so it's one of those where it's just like the matchmaking, where they're able to find the right two to put mm-hmm. them together to be like, okay, who wants him more? Like, right. love that. Um, Molly McCann, who's a, got a big name now. You know, she's on the card. Yeah. Against Blanchfield? I mean... I don't know. I guess I would probably favor McCann, but how much of it is just the hype? And and it's going to be different fighting in New York and Madison Square Garden than fighting in London in your home crowd with the right. entire stadium cheering right. you on and buying you no matter what. And so. Patty's not on the card. Yep. <laughs> I know they're real close. Um, yeah, I'd, <clears throat> I'd like to see that, that prospect um, shoot up there. You know, she's got... Uh, there's there's less fighters um, in a lot of these women's weight classes, so getting that ranking is usually just like a, a default. There just aren't hundreds of fighters at your weight class if you're a woman. You know, there's usually maybe 50. So you're 15. You're fighting number 12. Um, whether the odds indicated or not, this should be a close fight. Yep. You know, they're yep. close in rank. Um, I, I expect this to be a, a very close fight. I do too. Another barn burner. I can't see how it, it's not going to be, is fucking Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spann. It is. It's, I it, mean, it it's, is. it's literally they're yeah. just going to go out there and just fucking they're gonna be knuckle up until somebody's yep. knocked out. So, I mean, that's going to be a sick fight. And, and, I hope it's, and I hope Reyes gets the win, but there's no, there's no telling. I would, not a fight I would bet on. No. This literally could go either way. It could. It literally could. And it all depends on which version of who shows up. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the best versions of Bulls show up. And it's just fucking chaos at its finest. Hopefully. It's going to be a war, dude. They're going to beat the shit out of each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. 
uh, Brad Riddell versus Moicano. Another excellent, fucking... excellent fight. I really like Nato Moicano. I, yep. I know he's maybe not the most consistent, right? Mm-hmm. He's on, he's off, he wins, he loses. Yep. When he's on, he is really, really good. Yes. He yep. has a, a very talented fighter. Um, and, and Brad Bridell, he's he's a grinder. He's a good fighter, too, yeah. man. Um, yeah. He's one of those um, city kickboxing exactly. <clears throat> products yep. right now. Yep. that And they got champs in a bunch of weight classes. So, um, yeah, I, I expect that to be... I, I do expect, because city kickboxing game plans really well... That, that it would favor Riddell. I would, favor I would too. Him. I would too. Um, but you never know. And that's the thing about Moicano is exactly. that he's such a wild card that if he comes in there, he could start like piecing him up and put on a submission and get Riddell out of he there. Could. I mean, it's anything's <clears throat> possible in that fight. Yep, I completely agree. I, I think Moicano could sleep him. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the prelims getting into the main card. Got Dan Hooker on the card. Hooker. Yeah. <laughs> Versus Claudio Puelles. Um, that's a good fight for Hooker. Hooker needs to be able to fight somebody that's like not top three or fighting for the belt. Like he's had a real murderer's row lately. Um, I don't know, man. I'll be honest with you. I think I would favor Claudio. <laughs> okay, I, I'm just saying. All right, and, huh? and you and that's I. I got nothing against that. I, I really don't. I'm just glad that Hooker's getting somebody <laughs> more on his level. True, as opposed to like because when you when you. When you start fighting those murders row, like you, you think you're there, right? Yeah. And then you lose one, and you're like, well, maybe I just, maybe it was the wrong yeah. day, maybe it was the wrong game plan, whatever. But, but you start you losing three, three or four, four. in yeah. a row, yeah. and then you're exactly. like, I'm yeah. not on that level, so we need to take a step back. Yeah. And that's why I'm glad he's he's getting Claudio. And and you're right, this this could totally be Claudio's coming out party. Could be. Yep. Could be. Um, you know, speaking of the curtains, Frankie Edgar's last <laughs> fight. It's gonna be, be. better. Be <laughs> no, it is. He he. he okay. Well, he's come out and said that. But yeah. I mean, a fighter to to stand by their own retirement. Um, who knows? So a lot of fighters say they're retired. Say it is. I don't. We could see him in BKFC by by the end could. of next year. We could. So. I I don't think any fighter should come out publicly before their fight and say they're retiring. It's their last fight. I think that does something to them mentally. I I don't. Think that usually like they're already out. checked out, right? Yeah, right. Well, I'll be honest with you, I don't know why Frankie Edgar is still fighting. I don't either. To, to be honest with you, I don't so. either. So, and, and this is what's funny because I always think of Frankie Edgar like I know me, I, I've been watching MMA for years and years and years. I know you mm-hmm. the, the same way, but I know that when we first met and came together and started watching MMA. Frankie was the man. Like, like that's exactly what was happening. That's how long ago. It that's was. how long ago. It was. That's what was happening when me and you started watching MMA together. Mm. We started watching, and I honestly think it was the Tyson Griffin, Frankie Edgar fight. It was one of the first fights that that we watched, and we were both looking at this dude like because nobody knew him. He wasn't supposed to win. Tyson Griffin was supposed to be the man. He was supposed to be the bigger guy, the better wrestler. And Frankie went out there and just outworked him, bell boxed to bell, him, boxed his yeah. ears in. I remember going into that fight and thinking, like, dude, this Frankie Edgar dude's for real. And I remember watching that fight and other talking with other people about it, and they were like, 
oh, you know, because at that time, Tyson Griffin was just like, he was like one of the top dudes in the division. Like one of the the like, yeah, yeah, he was one of the top guys. And here was this new dude coming in. And I was just like, y'all don't know about this Frankie Edgar dude, (laughs) you know? And he was like the dark underdog. Uh And then he became the champion and the longtime champion Mm -hmm. and fucking all the rest of that shit, beating BJ Penn over and over again. Mm -hmm. But before any of that, he was just some dude coming in, just like, you know, nobody really thought much about. So, yeah, crazy. <clears throat> was it you that was telling me he's got the most time logged in the octagon yeah. in history? Yeah. Yep. I know. I know. Something like five and a half hours or something like that. Yeah, he's got, it's something, of, it's, of it's crazy time. of just being in the octagon. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what else does he have? He's going to fight uh, Chris uh, Gutierrez. What's he going to be able to do? I mean, even if he wins, even if he goes out there and starts him, what's that going to do? It's not going to do anything. He's already fought people at the top of his weight class, and he's lost to all of them. It's but not... the other thing is, if Chris Gutierrez goes out there and fucking knocks out Frankie Edgar quick, what's that going to do? It, probably nothing. It probably doesn't mean anything. If yeah. Chris Gutierrez. So I mean, what what are we what are we doing this for? <laughs> for Frankie, because Frankie asked for it, and when Frankie's been the company man like he is, you you give him what he wants. I guess, but I mean, can we have him fight like fucking? Can we like pay Sean Shirk to come back and they can get like some kind of <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for I was hoping it would be like the Cub Swanson Frankie Edgar retirement yeah. match. Like that's it's too bad. Yeah, it's for. too bad that fucking Dana White got all personal with Dan Hardy because maybe we could get those two to fucking <laughs> 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 some kind of catchway fight. That's a good one. Um yeah, no. I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Yeah, I'll should be stoked fireworks. for this fight. Stoked yeah. for this fight. Um, as much as I'm a big fan of Poirier, I think he's been rank squatting a bit, and um, Chandler might not be winning all of his fights, but at least he's fucking fighting. That's at least true. He's active. I think he's you know? two and two. He is two and two. Yeah. Um, and uh, that Justin Gaethje fights closer than people make it out to be. That's true. You That's know? true. The Charles Oliveira fight. I mean, yeah. he dropped him yeah. and looked like he had him won, and then. Yeah. He let him stay in there, and then he got Absolutely. fucking beat and he up. So, destroyed Tony Ferguson. That's yeah. No, the record, once again, the record doesn't show the whole case, yeah. you know. Um, but even with all that said, I still favor Dustin Poirier to win this fight. I am going to break with you on this one. I, I think Chandler gets it done. I think at this point, Chandler... Dustin Poirier's been fighting like he's got too much to lose, which has benefited him in some of these fights. But that's not how Chandler fights. And Chandler's going to make it ugly. He's going to make it brutal. And I think when he adds in his takedowns to his striking, yeah, I I think he's going to put Dustin in some bad situations. I think Chandler comes out with a win on that. Okay. Yeah. um, Yeah, I definitely see your point there. The only fighters that beat Dustin Poirier um, are those that take him into their realm and beat him there. When, you know, Eddie Alvarez beat him the first time, that's how he did it. Mm-hmm. He took him there and he beat him. When uh, Habib beat Dustin Poirier, same thing, mm-hmm. took him there and beat him. I don't think that Michael Chandler is going to be able to take Dustin Poirier to that spot. And then if we have, you know, heavy-handed puncher versus uh, heavy-handed boxer strategically, I think that that would favor Dustin to do that. I think that Michael Chandler is a little punchy. He's taken, <laughs> he's taken a lot of punishment, and some of it he hasn't got back up from. So all those things to be said, I favor Dustin Poirier to win by second round 
TKO. So. I think Poirier's been lazy from fighting Connor over and over too many times. <laughs> I uh, totally agree. I totally agree. He has been lazy, and he, and he has been rank, rank uh, squatting. I didn't even realize he was number two till we looked at the fucking thing, <laughs> Dude, and I'm like, how the fuck you. is he still number two? I know. Like, I know. Of, of all the shit that's going on at lightweight right now, fucking Poirier's number two? Come on. No, no. This That's... You're 100%. And I like Poirier. I don't want this to come yeah. off sounding like no. I'm not a Dustin Poirier fan. No, exactly. Exactly. And I think that, I think that you have a very good point. And so we'll have to see how, how it plays out. So, you know, we just see it differently. Um, All right. Carla Esparza versus... Before we get to Carla... Oh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, let's put a monster on that one. I'll bet you a okay. monster Chandler beats Poirier. Okay. What was the last one that we fucking... I don't know, dude. I hope I'm just hoping you remember because I don't remember God who won or lost dude, that. Don't bet. be fucking... Dude, my fucking... <laughs> I don't even remember... We, we did bet, though. Let's we we have to go did. back and listen to our We're going to have to go back and listen. If <laughs> you're listening it. and you know, tweet us and no, I'm just kidding. Like, we don't have a fucking tweet yeah, for we this don't shit. Do that. Okay. Um, tweet yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, Carla Esparza versus Yang Wei Li. So... Uh, okay. What you got? Um... <clears throat> Zhang uh, Wei Li, me too. Let's yeah, move on. yeah, okay. <laughs> we can move on. Yep. No, it's 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 Zhang. We know she's she's gonna she's gonna fucking take the title back. She's gonna put the big hurt on her. Okay. Unless unless Esparza works her fucking magic and we end up getting the most boring fight ever. I mean, it'd have to be more boring <sighs> than the Rose fight. You it's know, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. No. And there's and she's not getting. He's not. She's not consistently taking down Zhang Wei Li. Zhang Wei Li is gonna put the big hurt on her. That's Did you see the? You probably didn't. I, I didn't even see it. I just heard about it, but. Supposedly, Zhang Wei Li was training at the UFC uh, PI, and Francis was there. I and did she, see that, and she picked up Francis and Gano. I did see that. Fucking I crazy, think. dude. She they they better wait till after her fight to <laughs> test her. You think she's on the juice? <laughs> no, no, I'm just <laughs> saying she's like, a juice head. No, but she's you know she's just she's just a tiny little thing, and I, I'm just saying I wouldn't want her to have any pre-existing injuries going into her fight with Carla Esparza. Oh, so. okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying if she can lift up fucking Francis Ngannou, she's gonna be able to lift up Carla Esparza like it fucking ain't shit. So yeah, until she fucking breaks her back trying to do it. What does he weigh in there? Like 300 pounds, probably. I would say He's so. He's not in fighting shape, and he cuts to 265. Yeah, I would say so. Insane. Couldn't I couldn't believe it. Um and then we got the fucking champion, right. Israel Adesanya, <clears throat> Alex Pieta. Yeah. Um really intriguing fight, right? Because I mean, not saying that Alex Pereira wouldn't have ended up in MMA anyway, or even in the UFC at some point anyway, but because of their history, right? Yeah, exactly. Because of their history, he has he got he got because of their history, he that's what really opened the door to him coming into the UFC. He was a devastating knockout artist, but there's a lot of those out there and they don't always get a shot in the UFC, but True. because he has those he has two wins against Israel, one mm-hmm. of them being a KO win, they brought him in and then look at what he's done since he's come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, knocked out everybody, created this big fucking hype yep. train. Um, he's gotten he's gotten better as as his fights have gone on at MMA. He's gotten better. He's taken to it like a duck to water, man. Yeah, and if Israel was more ground game heavy, wrestling based, any of those types of things, I would be a lot more worried about this situation about this fight. But because he's not, because a lot of what he does is you know strategic, technical counter fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am fucking all for this fight. <laughs> yeah, this dude, shit, no, this shit is like, 
I mean, it's it's fucking cooking with gas on this. So I'm I'm really excited. And dude, to think about it, if Alex come in here, how many fights has he had in the UFC? Like three. If he can come in here yeah. and fucking win like this and Seven beat and, one, I think. and beat Israel Adesanya, I mean, I know, dude. I know. and it's great. And he absolutely could too. That's the thing about it is, you know, you look at some of the opponents that Adesanya has had to face, like Cannonier, like like nobody really thought Cannonier had anything for Adesanya. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that Pajeda does. We know that he's a legitimate threat, as he should be. Um, and, and yeah, I just love Pajeda's body of work. Back in kickboxing, he's, he's a dude that puts you out, man. Like, that's not... He's not going to fucking dance around. He's not fucking around. He has amazing feints. He's extremely technical, and he's powerful like he hits like a fucking mac truck dude I know. he's got that dan henderson makeup where you just like he touches you and you fucking go to sleep man now my prediction is if we end up thinking it's one of the most boring fights we've ever seen israel wins the decision yeah but if we get any action at all in this fight if Pereira can get israel to engage in any kind of a firefight, I do think he's putting him away again. That's exactly what I saw from their kickboxing fights. And yeah, neither one of them has trained enough in other areas of mixed martial arts to think this isn't going to be anything other than another kickboxing match. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted to pull up the middleweight rankings because if Alex does knock out Israel, they'll probably do a second match. Okay, let's be honest. I hate to say it. I mean, that I, really I, me too. The case. I know, me too, especially if it's a KO. But I mean, Israel's been a champion for so long. I mean, I All don't right. know. I don't okay. know. If, if that is All the right. stipulation by which we judge the legitimacy. It's not, though, because Glover's getting one. Well, I know, I know. But for a long time, that's what it was. Yeah, a long yeah, time, yeah. if you were a long time champion, you'd get a rematch. Yeah, and now it's okay. just like everybody gets a fucking rematch. But <laughs> you get a rematch. You, you get, get a rematch. rematch. Exactly. <laughs> but if we're going to go by the, the old school rules, he's definitely going to get a rematch. So he's going to have to fight Israel again. But I mean, besides that, dude, like, dude, if Alex has the belt and he has to fight Robert Whitaker. We talked about that. What a fucking matchup that awesome would be. Matchup. Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier. Do a whole nother fucking match. Marvin Vittori. I know, right? I know. How I, sick would that be? I hope that he knocks that WAP out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> sort of <God. laughs> Straight up, okay? Oh, come on. That's a fight Vittori could I, win, though, um, man. I'm just saying, okay? My people, <clears throat> sometimes... You wanted the first Italian champ. That's the path I see. Yeah. For the first Italian champ, I see God, I hope Pereira it's not that, dude. taking Israel out, and instead of this immediate rematch, Israel's injured or whatever, then for some somehow Vittori jumps the line and gets a shot in there and just grinds him out. I because I know he could. The only person Vittori has not ever has not been able to take down was Whitaker. Yeah. No, you're right. You make a good point. I don't want to see it. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, the only reason I thought of that was was for you. I know. So if no, you don't I want know. to see it, then no, I know, I know. I, and, and that's the thing about it is like I really wish I could cheer for the dude. I really wish I could. He's Italian. I'm Italian American. I really wish I could cheer for him, but that fucking okay. that dude has just stuck his foot in his own mouth so many <laughs> yeah. fucking times, and then has like the either doesn't show up or really boring fights yep. in the rest okay. of it where I'm just like, dude, like 
whatever, dude, whatever. I mean, to the point where when he wins his first UFC fight, he goes out and he says, all the Italian-Americans aren't Italian. I mean, this is the kind of fucking Dago we're dealing with here, all right? I'm just saying, all right? So if the dude doesn't want fucking hate from his own people, maybe he shouldn't have fucking started the shit. Anyways. (laughs) Okay. That is what that is. That's okay. UFC 280. That's fucking episode three fucking in the a. books. Throw the fucking <clears throat> papers. We did it. Thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. Right. This has been Scrapcast.